tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show, the devastating impact of a dog attack on sheep at a Tipperary farm. Hazardous driving conditions across Tipperary. We'll be hearing from some of our listeners on that. How to manage your child's Christmas excitement. Our agony aunt, Phil Prendergast, is with us just after 11. And Tipperary's Roger Metha. Uh, launches a single to help Irish Red Cross Ukraine crisis appeal. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp 083 311 You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Now this week on Tip Today, uh, we've teamed up with the four-star Talbot Hotel in Clanmel to celebrate their Christmas gift vouchers. So whether it's a nice stay in one of their gorgeous suites or afternoon tea for two or a relaxing spa. Uh, a voucher from the Talbot Hotel is a great way to treat somebody special this Christmas. Anyway, by way of celebration of all of that, they've given us afternoon tea for two to give away every single day this week. And that prize is uh, based on your interaction with us by text and WhatsApp, whether you're joining in our conversations or coming up with something brand new. Just put Talbot Hotel at the end of your contribution and we will pop you in the draw. Quick look at the headlines. The Irish Indo leading with stricter regulations on the way for social media. Taoiseach Mial Martin has warned that a new era of strict rules around privacy on social media is imminent and he was speaking in the wake of the controversy surrounding uh, Tánis de Leo Varadkar who was uh, covertly recorded in a nightclub tragic picture on the first on the front of the uh, Indo as well a boy uh, died in a freezing lake as he tried to rescue three other boys that emerged yesterday as police concluded their search of the scene of the tragedy. Young Jack Johnson, he was only 10, he died alongside two boys aged 8 and 11 after the ice cracked as they played during a, a cold snap in Birmingham. Great tragedy for the families involved there. The Irish Daily Mail, frozen Ireland grinds to a halt. The big freeze is uh, forcing schools to close, causing treacherous driving conditions and making hundreds of thousands of people work from home. The Irish Times and right across the newspapers today um, uh, stories from the Dowdle uh, Hutch trial and uh, the key prosecution witnesses in the Regency Hotel murder trial has told the special criminal court that Jared Hutch said to him three days after the killing of David Byrne that him and Mago Gately had shot him. Uh, also on the Times today and again across the papers, uh, European leaders have called for tightened anti-graft controls at the European Parliament after Belgian prosecutors seized a suitcase of cash and made a string of arrests in a sweeping investigation into suspected bribery by World Cup host Qatar. Uh, the Irish Examiner today, and again that story of the monk admitted to killing, a claim there by Dowdle. Also on the Examiner today, um, new witnesses in the Sophie Toscan Duplantier murder case have been uh, identified on an almost weekly basis in Ireland, France and the UK, a Garda superintendent has said. So that story trundles on after all of these years. 
And now, if you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 Farmer in Money Gall in uh, Tipperary counting the cost of a, a horrific attack on his sheep, which resulted in 50 lambs being killed by roaming dogs. Now, pictures of the devastating result of this attack are in today's Farming Independent. And John Healy is the farmer in question, and he joins me online. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Fran. Commiserations to you, John. What I'm looking at here is absolutely horrific. Will you tell me what happened? Well, Saturday morning, Fran, I was gone to work, and my mother rang. She lives in the village. She said, there's a sheep in my backyard. And straight away, I twigged there was something wrong. I rang my sons, who were at home from school, and told them to tip up and see what's going on. Because the field is stockproofed, nothing should be able to get out of it. Yes. And the phone call came back to me then. They were in the jeep driving down the lane and just coming across dead lamb after dead lamb. It was devastating for them and for me. And it got into the field and all I heard was one of them saying, they're dead, they're dead, they're everywhere. There's dead sheep everywhere. And then they said, there's a dog, there's dogs. I told him to... He could uh, get near the dogs, identify him or whatever. The dogs ran. They got near one of them. The other one ran up across the hill. And I, at this stage, had rang my neighbours. At either side of me, they to go out to see, could they see the dogs or locate where they went. And they could see nothing. And at this stage, I was home, got home. And what I saw, I never want to see again, Fran. They were dead lambs everywhere. There was 120 lambs in the field and there's 50 of them dead. My God. The dogs killed for sport. There was none of them ate or tore asunder. They were just caught by the throat and killed. There was 11 lambs corralled into a corner and obviously one dog held them in the corner while the other one killed them because they were in a pile in the corner, all caught by the throat and killed. It, Devastating. It, it must have been absolutely devastating. As I say, I'm looking at the pictures here and I'm absolutely appalled. It's uh, horrific. By it. How many dogs do you think were involved in this, John? Well, there was definitely them two. Yeah. I don't know after that. There was definitely them two. Maybe there was more. I don't know. I probably never will know. But them dogs, them dogs went back home. And the owners have to know them dogs were exhausted and covered in blood. It doesn't matter how they licked themselves clean. They were covered in blood. So there's no way that an owner would not know what they were up to. Is that, is that what you well, said to me? That's what I'm, several people have told me that, that them dogs, to do a kill like that, were big, there were big, powerful dogs. My son saw them. There were big dogs, big black dogs. And uh, do you know what kind of breed uh, they were, John? Look, they saw them running. They were big black dogs, he said. They were a heavy-framed dog. Could be Alsatian, could be a big Labrador-type cross. I don't know. Right. Yeah, we don't. We don't. You can't, Fran. The only way of getting dogs like that is, unfortunately, shoot them in the field. And you're perfectly entitled to you're do that. You're perfectly entitled to do it, and I would do it, and I have done it in the past, and I... I just, I'm devastated over the whole thing. 
Um, I, I know that it probably is almost irrelevant in terms of because of what I see here in the photograph, but in terms of financial uh, cost to this, John, how, how much money are we talking about here? I could easily say 10 grand plus because they tell me that the remainder of the sheep that's left won't thrive. They're down beside the house. They're fretting. I said the remainder of the sheep are all in the shed. They're two months sooner. Um, sorry, friend, for two seconds. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no problem at all, John. No bother. We're talking to John Healy in Money Gall about the loss of 50 lambs killed there. Yeah, not at all, John. Look, I, I know you're under huge pressure today and we, we, we'll let you go. But just, just to say that, you know, people really would commiserate with you on this. It's absolutely dreadful. Have you been the victim of this in the past, John? We've, we've had, um, we'd have it on and off, yeah. Right. We've had it on and off throughout the years, but not into this scale. Right. I don't think this scale has been hit. Anyone has, has, has had a massacre like this, this scale. And that's what it is, isn't it? It's a massacre. It's a it? massacre. Yeah. It's absolutely the, unbelievable. The, does insurance cover this, John? Or no. No. No, no, nothing. So you have no comeback on this? <clears> I have no comeback, no. No, this all has to come out of my own pocket. And what do you do now? Do you replace these lambs? Like, what happens there? I'm not a farmer, so I don't understand, John. No, they were, they were lambs that were born on the farm that we fatten and sell. Right. And... Depended on them to pay the bills, as as everybody knows well aware this year. Fertilizer has tripled, diesel has doubled, the same as every household. We're no different. But I have uh, x amount allocated to pay this man and x amount allocated to pay that man, and I'm going to have to go to the bank with my hand out now to pay some of these buys. Well, John, it's it's absolutely dreadful. Um, I, I presume you've spoken to the guardie on this. Oh, you, the guards, the yeah. guards were out, and yeah. they were pretty quick to come out. And the, the search around the area they were they were very good and helpful, and called back to me that evening, and very helpful. But yeah. it's like that. It's like everything, friend. Our hands are tied, and we're I'm just hoping somebody somewhere knows about these dogs, and just at this stage, just please put them down because they are going to kill again. Right, and is that the way it works, John, if they get oh, a taste the of dog, blood like once this? Once the dog gets a taste for blood, they'll never stop. You could lock them dogs up in a shed for three years, release them again, and they will kill again. Because to them, it's instinct. It's fun. It's not the dog's fault. It's instinct. It's up to owners to control their dogs. They have to know where they are. And if they don't know where they are, they want them locked up in a safe, secure place because this is going to happen again. Like, a dog that kills 50 sheep is going to do this again. Well, John, my commiserations to you and your your family and especially at this time of year, I can't imagine what you're, what you're going through, but the pictures today in the uh, Farming Independent, absolutely horrific. Uh, and Fran, yes, I have John. worse pictures and sure. the work published. I'm sure. No, I'm sure. And that's the truth. John, you look after yourself, and thank you for coming on with me today, Thank John. you, Fran. Thank you, and bye-bye to you now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's uh, John Healy speaking to us uh, today about that devastating uh, kill on his farm of all of those lambs, uh, 50 lambs indeed. Let's go to our, our vet, Mairead Leahy of Aravets in Tipperary Town. Good morning to you, Mairead. Morning, Fran. Mairead, what drives dogs to do this? 
There's a number of things and first of all I just have like I heard the end of the conversation and my heart absolutely goes out to John. Um we we've reared sheep we've we've um done sheep farming here for years ourselves so I know the hard work that has gone into those lambs from you know, from getting the yews in lamb and, you know, looking after those yews and putting money into the yews and then the lambing and the rearing of the lambs as babies all the way up along. Like he has done the hard work he had done last year, you know. So, I don't know, my heart goes out to them yeah. to see that. And uh, um, you haven't seen the pictures at uh, Maraid? I, I, I saw some of them because the vet, um, that, you know, the vet that went out to that yes. farm had published them and it's gone all around the vet community. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, it's um, I, it, like It's like what John says, it's absolute instinct and there is no dog that is eliminated from that instinct. No dog whatsoever. Um, and... I know we're talking about one dog potentially doing this, but I would say that there was more than one dog involved because it's the packing sting instinct, you know, when they get together. Yeah, I think at this um, stage we know that it's at least two was seen yeah, on, on, on the farm. But tell me about that like, pack, that pack instinct, so it's Marie. Just, it's, and you see, it's the packing instinct, and when they get together, there's more than one of them. And the thing with sheep, God love them, is they run like they, you know, they have no defence whatsoever, so they run so that that impacts that chase reflex in the dog yes. where, you know, they'll begin to chase, the other dog begins to chase and it's easier when there's two, like if one dog is just chasing, the sheep could run, whereas when there's two, they can corner them a lot easier and cause that devastation, whereas when there's one dog, they might chase them, which doesn't maybe cause the destruction, the physical destruction, but if it was yos and lamb and things like that, that the impact of that will, will um, carry through for months, you know, where the yos may lose their lambs even um, four to six weeks later so it's where that killing has happened you know there's more than one because they can corner them and they can actually get near them together right but it affect it has long-term effect on the flock then that oh, are, are 100%, like if that if they were yos and lamb you could see an impact on that you know up to three four months later at lambing time where a lot of them will you know will either abort or produce dead lambs or you know just lose their lambs along the way and um, the same you know there might have been x amount of sheep died or his lambs that he was rearing there might have been x amount of them died on the day but I don't know what the story is. I don't know if he's any more left. That there can be an impact on those for yes. months later, where they might have to be, you know, either euthanized or will die just from the shock. My God, yeah, because he described uh, some of those left as being in a really bad uh, state and oh, fearful yeah. and, and all of that as well. Um, and, and you say any dog is, is capable of this? Is is that it, Marie? A hundred percent. Yeah, there is no dog that can't do this apart from maybe the dog that physically can't move to do it. Yes. Yeah. Um, but there is there is no breed of dog that will not that, you know, won't do this. Obviously, you know, your cavaliers and things like that are way less capable maybe of doing the same damage as, you know, a German shepherd or collies or Labradors um can yeah. do. You just know, just physically feet. you're saying, just physically. Yeah, just yeah. physically, you know. But like like I remember I just I I can feel it in my own like stomach and heart like you know that kind of feeling of fear when you know when you'd have yos out in the field that were lamb and someone said she's dogs passed and like you know to see the farmers and their level of fear when that happens you know the devastation that even someone just walking their dog through the fields can cause like the dog mightn't even chase the sheep but like just that the minute the sheep see that dog walking across the field they'll run into a corner away from them you know they'll worry about it straight away. Um, so even just just to see a dog going through a field is enough to worry yous. It's it's amazing. And John was making the point that this was just for sport. 
they, you know, obviously there was yeah. nothing in terms of hunger or anything to do with this. They this generally, was just for yeah, sport. they generally won't like consume it, you know. Yes. But like they, they might tear them and do all the damage that they do to them and leave them. Um, like I said, they may not even do that. They may not even, you know, physically harm the sheep, but they'll run and chase them and you know play with them for all the world. But that can cause devastating. Um, you know, sheep running through wires, sheep getting stuck in drains. And um, flocks getting separated, and um, all this kind of damage. Uh, John was making the point that now that they have this instinct maraid, I mean, they will kill again. And yeah. and he was advising that these dogs need to be put oh, down. 100%, 100%. You, you would completely agree with that, would you? One hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. So once they, it just can't. Like it's one of those things. If dogs end up in pounds and stuff like that, and if they've chased sheep, like I, 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 I just can't see how they get a second chance. Really, to be honest. Right. Unless you can physically remove them to the city where they're never going to be near the sheep again, you know. Right. But, um, but once they've done this, they may, they they would probably yeah. do this And like this I was again. saying, any dog would be capable of it. You know, there's no dog that isn't capable of doing it. Mm. And, and it's walking up the galaxies as well. That I know they have this rule, like, you know, don't bring your dog up. And they say it. And people kind of half chance it because they're like, oh, sure, nobody will see me. But there are sheep up in the Galaxy Mountains. And your, your dog mightn't chase those sheep, but those sheep might, may still run. And that can cause, like, the older and lamb at the minute, they're due to lambs. Early lammers will start lambing now from December, January on, you know. So yoles are heavy in lamb up places like the common, you know, the common yes, kind of ground yeah. up the galaxies and stuff like that. I know you didn't get to, to hear all of my conversation yeah. with John, but he's devastated. I know, it's Just it's heartbreaking. Like, you know. that lambing time even, like, that, the hard work, like, the early mornings, the late nights that he yeah. put into those lambs, there's not much a pro- not much profit in sheep as it is because, you know, they're, sure. so, they're so labour-intensive and, like, the hard work was done for him. He he has done the hard work. He's reared those lambs, probably bottle-fed some of them, you know, yeah. made sure the yolks were feeding them, fed the yolks, made sure they got out, you know, that their belly buttons are done. There's just so yeah. much work that has gone into those lambs. Yeah, and again, non-farming people like myself, we wouldn't have a clue about that kind of commitment and work, you know? Yeah, and just the devastation to see, you know, flock that he has looked after, you know, in such a state. The the other point I'd love your opinion on, John said that there's no way an owner wouldn't know that these dogs would arrive home in pretty bad condition. I mean, they'd be... Oh yeah, they'd be covered in blood and... Yeah. And they'd be kind of wound up as well, you know. They they Excited wouldn't just walk and, home. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't just yeah. walk home and lie down. And you know, they'll they'll you you'd know like you would know. Um, I I I can't see how you wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. And uh, what the legality on it is that the person who owns the dog, my understanding anyway, is guilty of an offence if this happens. Um, yeah, I presume so. Like there's a control of dogs act. It's kind of similar to what we were talking about. Was it last week or the week before about mm. that poor child? Yes, absolutely. You know, yeah. we have the laws in place. Dogs are meant to be under control. And, you know, more than likely it was a large breed dog, you know, to cause such devastation and to be able to physically do what happened. And, you know, those dogs are meant to be under control. Every dog is meant to be under control. Microchips, it's an absolute legal requirement to have your dog microchipped so that they can be identified. This is a legal requirement. Um, so the laws are there, but unfortunately, um, they're hard to enforce and they're not being enforced, I don't think, really properly. Of course, um, yes. And somebody is unlikely to give up their dog and say, look, it was my dog, because they will be held financially responsible, I presume, yeah, in some sort yeah. of way as well. You know? But would you say to, if there's somebody listening to us who owns dogs, they... 
they need to be put down. Now, it's rarely would we, we would say that on this program, but are you saying to me they need to be put down? If, if like, if it's known that they have done it, yes, I would say okay. so. The only other thing I can see, and, like, people probably disagree, I don't know, like, unless they could be potentially rehomed to, like, a city home, but are those dogs going to be happy in that situation? Do you know, what? how can you chain a dog up for the next seven years of its life just, you know, to protect it from doing what it's instinctually, yes. you know, going to do. And if they've um, attacked in this fashion, Marie, are they more dangerous to people then and to kids maybe? I don't think so. Like, no. I think it's more of a herd thing, but like, who, you know, you can't rule anything out with these guys, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing can be ruled out. A dog, you know, is a, is a dog at the end of the day yeah. and nobody can sit down and talk to it and say, yeah. you know, this isn't on and, it's our responsibility not to allow it to happen in the front first place. Um, and that that's where the problem is, is the prevention of it. Yeah. Maraid, I know that you're very upset by this. I didn't realise that your your background was in Chief Army I as well. I just think yourself, it's, so, it's yeah. just so sad. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's devastation to life. And I I just feel for him, like, especially after listening to him. And, you know, I didn't know there were lambs. I, I just presumed there were yos kind of in lamb yeah. and stuff. And it's the same thing. It's it's just devastating for him. And my heart goes out to family, you know, even for, like, our family here, if it was the kids looking at that, you know. I know. Yeah, of course. Of course. So, All right, Mairead, do we appreciate you. your time this morning. Thank you for coming on with me, Mairead. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye, Janelle. Mairead Leahy there is our vet from Aravets in uh, Tipperary Town. Brand new premises, by the way, there on the uh, Limerick Road, and it looks fantastic altogether. On a much happier and lighter note, I was delighted to hear from my friend uh, Michelle Tobin, uh, because Michelle, along with Neve Quinn, uh, McIlvenny, uh, they've produced uh, the book two of Tilly, the Tipperary Saurus series uh, for kids, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And uh, if you're looking for something and books for kids, I think it's so important. But this is really, really beautiful. It's a lovely story, illustration by um, Michelle, and it's just gorgeous. It's in shops, I know, in uh, the Tipperary Town area at the moment, but you can also order it from Tilly the Tipperary Saurus. I.e. or you can pick it up at Flanagan's Lane beautiful coffee shop there on the main street in Tipperary Town but again if you have little ones I would highly recommend it to you there's a lovely uh, local feel to it and congrats to Michelle and to Niamh as well we'll take a break back in a moment Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now the cold snap continues this week. Listeners were in touch about some inappropriate driving that's going on out there and Jacinta's with me now. Good morning, Jacinta. Hi, friend. I was really taken with your comment to Jacinta. You said there's not as many clowns in Duffy's Circus as there are those driving cars. What have you been uh, witnessing out there, Jacinta? Well, you see, are driving along and they might only have parking lights on. Yeah. Which is more like having a candle in front of you. And then there's sort of, you know, they have the daylight running lights. There's yeah. no light at the back. And then there's others with wonky lights that they don't have one headlight. I actually met a lorry and he had no lights at all. Yeah, you saw a truck tr- uh, with, with no lights at all in the fog. In the fog, yeah. And you're making the point you swear it was going to um, cause their electricity bill to be larger or something. Yeah, just like they were afraid to turn on their lights in case the lights were just a bit. I know it sounds stupid, but... 
Why, why do you think that is? You'd imagine they get into a car and they see that there's difficulties with visibility. Wouldn't you think then they say, whoops, I better put on proper lighting? Yeah, you'd imagine, but sure. They don't seem to think. Yeah. They probably can see so far themselves and think everyone else can see them. Yeah. So, so we'll just we'll just motor away. But I mean, here you know, here am I sneering at it. But you know, it it could cost lives. Yeah, very easy. Yeah. No. I I I don't know. Are you particularly careful driver yourself, Jacinta? Well, I do my best anyway. I hope. Yeah. But sure, I was out this morning after seven o'clock, and I was coming back out to Torlis, and there was a car in front of me. We we're driving okay. Now the weather was fairly okay. You could see there's no fog. Mm. But this fella came up behind me. Decided he passed me out. The next thing he realised when he's out on the road, there was a car coming towards us. Oh, Lord. So he had to pull in. Right. You have to break in to allow people like that to get back in as well. So he pulled in in front of you? In front of me, yeah. You know, I and mean, he didn't know. I mean, this morning was very cold. There could have been ice on the road. There could have been black mm. ice out there. Yeah. I know. My uh, gender don't use indicators. Just there's Christmas. They only turn on indicators. <laughs> No, <laughs> So you don't know where they're going or what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. And the worst part is going around roundabouts. Go on, tell me about roundabouts. Sure, they never put on indicators going around it. They know they're going, taking a second exit, so you're kind of going straight to the roundabouts. Yeah. But they just keep going. I always believe that we we haven't a clue how to use roundabouts in this country, to be honest. But say people should get a refresher course. I think so. But, you know, somebody was making the point to me yesterday uh, that even if you go for your licence now, um, none of the licence training involves the motorway at all. So you get your full licence and then you can go on the motorway, but you've had no experience of it. Yeah. I don't know. Crazy stuff altogether. Just tend to mind yourself out there anyway, which is the main thing. Well, indeed. Okay, happy Christmas to you and thank you for coming on with me uh, today. That's uh, Jacinta. Kat sent us a voice note uh, through WhatsApp about her experience of driving this week. Here's what she had to say. Hi, I've been using the roads every morning. It's absolutely Baltic, especially this morning. So my day consists of I cycle and my husband is working close by. So he drops the kids off close by and I meet him and I collect the kids. We walk. And then I um I I walk to where I meet where their schools are, wait with them, and then cycle to work. So I have it all done in probably an hour. But this morning, the roads were so bad in the estate that I couldn't even cycle. It was scary, scary treacherous, and what called it was super super cold. I was wearing my Udi. My husband laughed at me because he said it looks like a dressing gown, which is not. It's an Udi. But I didn't care because I went down to the school, wore my Udi um, and my gloves. And it was so, so, so cold. But it's so dangerous as well because um, I have to leave the school at 20 past eight to get into work for half eight. And it's um, very, 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 very dark, very foggy. I have my lights on. I have my high-vis vest and I have a, a high vis on my um, on my hat as well, so I am well covered and well. People can see me, but they're very very icy. Um, the poor kids are finding it tough as well. Um, they are cold. God love them. But um, 
yeah, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do. That's the way I have to get to work. So I finish work at half five. So um, it'll be, but I'll just cycle straight home and it'll be dark and it'll be foggy and it'll be freezing. So I'm going to be wearing that hoodie again. And if people think I'm wearing a dressing gown, <laughs> I don't care. It's got blue and it's got koalas on it. It looks a bit mad, but it keeps me so, so, so warm. And I'm sitting here in work, 30 degree heat, and I'm still cold. It's so, so, so cold. Just another note to add on how dangerous the roads are. I cycled home yesterday from work. I managed to cycle all the way home, 20 minutes off a cycle, and it was fine. I came into my driveway and it was like pure ice. I skidded and fell off the bike just right in front of my house. Thank God I was able to ring my husband to get him to, get, to pick me up and bring in my bike. But it was like an ice rink. So... The main roads are fine. It's just roads in the States and roads and um, driveways in front of your house, which are little. So just be very careful and be very mindful of that. And that's Kat uh, with a voice note uh, that you sent to us on WhatsApp. Now, you can do that. We'd love to hear from you with your voice notes. 83 311 John Paul is with me. John Paul, good morning to you. John, how are you doing? Uh, good to talk to you today. What about driving out there, John Paul? What are you seeing? Um not too bad this morning now the road doesn't too good I'm too bad um, no fogs no real life but I am but uh, look the few had drivers out the same thing or the distant area on to that girl in up the country there have people driving with no lights yeah um, depending on the days I'm running lights if you ask me a lot um, but no I'm not using lights I'm not using indicators and w- can you can you explain the daytime running to us does that mean that the lights are only visible on the front of the car um, I think different cars vary. I know I have a RAV4 and when the daytime running lights come on, the rear lights come on with. Um, but like that, my daytime running lights are fairly good. If you had them on in a built-up area, you're not going to think to turn on your lights. Right. So maybe that's the idea of that. Your, your phone is coming and going to us a little bit. I'm not sure if it's where, where you're you're standing or something, but uh, you were saying that it depends on the make of car. Is that it, John Paul? Well, I, I'm not sure. I'm not Right. Okay. We we have to leave John Paul go there because sadly that uh, phone line is in pretty poor shape. There, drivers in states. Um, oh, I beg your pardon. Drivers in the states they start at sixteen in the schools and uh, teens learn to drive in all weather conditions. You also have to have driving schools so you learn before going out on the roads. Is one of our listeners. Yeah, it is interesting though that uh, to get your your test, you don't have to have any experience on the motorways. So you're kind of in at the deep end once you get your licence. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Fran, we saw an elderly couple driving on the motorway near Limerick with no lights at all and a big number of road users not using indicators at all on the motorway. I don't know how there are not more accidents, says one of our listeners. Uh, Fran, an hoodie is like a dressing gown. You don't wear it outside Wear a coat, for God's sake. What's wrong with people? What about a dress code? <sighs> Somebody got out of the uh, wrong side of the, the bed into their hoodie this morning, obviously. Um, good morning, Fran. This is in from Martin this morning. Uh, dog owners should have their, their dogs muzzled if they're on the loose, and they should be kept under control as well. And again, somebody else making the point that a lot of cars have daytime running lights and lights on in the front uh, a bright dashboard and no automatic rear lights, as somebody else. Noel is with me. Good morning, Noel. 
Morning, Frank. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, good to talk to you, Noel. What, what are you seeing out there on our roads, Noel? Uh, a lot. Uh, an awful lot of, say, manholes gone, dropped down in, in on the road, and you won't see them until you come up to them, friend. Say, like I say, um, we have one particular one now on the Ros Grey, Templemore Road, as you're heading to Ros Grey. Right. And, and the manhole is just completely sunk into the road. So that means what, that your car takes a red old bump, does it? When you, yes, when you and then it, it takes it out of track and it takes out of a whole pile of things. Yeah. Uh, there's another one I was talking to you before about a friend, it must be nearly four or five years ago, Magari Boreen. Yes. It's not, it's not even touched yet. We're told it will be done in 2023. But I can't see it because the road is so bad now at the moment that the council hasn't even come out to fix it. Right, so it's not just a case of bad weather affecting our, our roads and our driving. You're saying that uh, these conditions are there most of the time, is that it? Yes. No. Yeah, 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 it is. Uh, and it's like, I'll, I'll give you my own example of it. My own car has got more of a bump out of it. And, and I, I haven't seen, like, when you drive up to them, you can't see them until the very last minute. Yes. And you drive into and, and you've damaged onto your car, the tracking. And needless to say, that's an expense on you then, because there's no comeback on any of this, I suppose. There's, there's tar- well, I've gone to the council about it. They, they've, they've just kind of told me to go away, leave them alone. Right. What? That's, you, that's you, the attitude I'm getting. You attempted to get some compensation for, for damage, yeah, well, did you? Yeah, well, pay, pay for the tracking of it anyway, because, yeah. because, because that's nearly 30, 40 euros. Yeah. And it is an awful lot of a person's pocket, especially at this time, uh, things are getting so expensive. What are you seeing with uh, driving in, in uh, the difficult conditions that we're experiencing, Noel? What's what's happening out there? Well, well like, I'll give you an example. I went to, was it, at Lowen the other day, and I was coming home in the dark. It was very foggy. Mm. Uh, people just leave the lights on the last minute, coming up to you, and then dimming them. Oh, yeah. they're, they're actually blinding you as well. Yeah. That's, that's what I, I find now, myself. Yeah, it's a constant one, isn't it? Uh, look after yourself on the road anyway, Noel, and thanks for coming out. Happy Christmas to you, Noel, by the way. And, and same to you, Frank. Right. Thank you very much. Look after yourself. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Noel with his experience there. Um, let me see, what else have we got? Uh, Fran, uh, great show. So sad to hear that poor man and what happened to the lambs. It's absolutely devastating, says Emily, who's in Cashel today. Hello, Emily. How are you? And nice to hear from you today as well. Uh, I sympathise with the sheep farmer on his loss, but let's not overdo it. Farming is a cruel business. Those lambs were not pets. Uh, they would be frightened and distressed too when loaded onto a truck and sent young for slaughter. That's what lies ahead for the survivors, says Cathy. Ah, Cathy, you know? I mean, really? Anyway, that's Cathy's opinion and why not? Um, what about your opinion? 83 Just uh, a note on the schools freezing at the moment, uh, Fran. 12 degrees temperature in one of my kids' schools yesterday. The schools need to have heating on earlier on in the mornings. I know there are cuts, but it's just not good enough. Kids uh, sitting in the freezing cold. If they leave their coats on, they're given out to, to take them off, says one of our listeners. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie 
And uh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. Let's speak to Emma and the text of WhatsApp, 83 We have that lovely prize of afternoon for tea at the Talbot Hotel to give away as a prize today. And that is based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and uh, text. Now, Terry was in touch to share his concerns on the train station in Thurless. Terry, good morning to you. Morning, Good to talk to you today, Terry. Will you tell me your experience of the station? Yes, last week I was in Thurla Station and I was in the, the ticket hall where the ticket office is and where one goes to collect pre-booked tickets. There was a, a lady, an elderly lady in a wheelchair and an elderly man looking after her. She looked frozen and as there's an automatic door there and as the automatic door opened, the breeze came in and you could see her shivering. Hmm. I said to her, please, why don't you go into the waiting room? And she said, oh, no, there is no waiting room. I said, of course there is. There's a waiting room. There always has been a waiting room there. She said, no, it's locked. And I said, why is it locked? And she said, well, apparently the new station master has taken over the waiting room for his office. I said, oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Now, later on, we were on the platform with a, with a breeze howling through. And to see that poor lady and the poor man, and they, 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 it, it was dreadful. It was terrible. I was, I was really upset about it. And I said, I'd, I'd have to do something about it. And what prompted me to call you was that the weather has got so much colder now than it was last week. Mm. And if somebody like that was, was in there, in this small little hall, it's a small little hall. And she said, when I spoke to them on the platform, she said, we had to leave the hall because there was no room for us. There were so many people coming in. We just had to move out. Move out uh, altogether, move outside. Like. Move outside, move onto the platform. Yeah, there, oh, there was nowhere else for them to go. The, the, the place was packed. And uh, what, what about the toilets, uh, Terry? Because you have some concerns about oh, that as well. Oh, my goodness me, yeah. I mean, I was so proud of that station because mm. if you look around all the plaques that are there, best station in Ireland, best this, winner of this, winner of that, lovely photographs of the staff there. And into the gents' toilet, and the first thing that greets you, the, the optics are dreadful. You have the urinals with, with, with rust stains running down the, the urinals because the pipes are rusty. Uh, the, the floor is, is, is very bad. The, 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 going back to the urinals, by the way, it's full of used chewing gum. Oh my now, I noticed this before, and I could see little bits of chewing gum, mm. but I, I use the station fairly frequently, and I've just seen the, the chewing gum build up. So it's obvious nobody is cleaning it. Nobody's doing anything. The toilets themselves are not are not clean. The floor is not clean. The hand basin is not clean. The window ledges are terrible. It's it, it's it you know for the premier station in the premier county, it's dreadful. When we knew of your concerns, uh, we were in touch with uh, Irish Rail and we got a statement from them, Terry. Now it's short. It says, as discussed, the waiting room at Thurlis has not been in operation for three years. And then they go on to say there's ample seating in the concourse area. And uh, it also says the toilets are earmarked for upgrade, but I can't give you a timeline on this because it's subject to funding allocation. And that was what we got back from Irish Lovely, Rail. lovely. So, Fran, we have to wait until the upgrade comes before they clean the toilets. Before they that clean the toilets. Lovely. And uh, there appears to be nothing about the waiting room except it hasn't been in operation for three years. And they're saying there's ample seating in the concourse area. There now, is that a fancy way of saying the hallway? The hallway, yeah. That's the hallway. There isn't ample seating. I, I, and I guess I'd say maybe 12 people 
uh, or less could, could, could sit there. Uh, and if it's busy, I mean, it, it's nearly impossible. Mm. But, but that's, that's absolutely uh, crazy. I know that the waiting room was closed because of COVID. Mm. It, it closed because of COVID and was never reopened. What are you saying to Irish Rail, Terry? What, what's, you, well, you, you have your platform, if you'll forgive the pun. Uh, will you, will okay, you? thanks, Brian. Yes. I, I, I'm on my butterbox here now. <laughs> Very I good. can tell you that, that, that they have to look after their customers. Well, where is customer care gone? What, do, they, do they just say, you know, <laughs> we have no waiting room, so forget it. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, there's there's you enough know, seating in the concourse area. That's there isn't enough seating. Yeah. And why don't they open the waiting room? The waiting room, I think, on the far side, is open. Well, their only answer to that, Terry, was that it has not been in operation for three years. So it's it's that's there's finality to that. Like, yeah, so yeah. when COVID finished, they said, no, we won't bother opening won't, it again. We won't open it again, yeah. Yeah, we won't bother opening it again. Let, let the customers go out in the cold, should, you know. And and by the way, talking about Irish Rail, I have nothing but praise for Irish Rail. I think the service in Thurland is excellent. Mm. I think the trains are excellent. They're, they're mostly new trains. Mm. It's an excellent service, but, but but it's just the station itself, which which was such a lovely station, which had won such awards, is now you know it, it, it's a, it, it's terrible. It's it, it, yeah. uh, I'm just disgusted the way that they're, they're treating their, their their customers. There was a listener on immediately agreeing with you and saying the toilets are very bad and a disgrace. Yeah, yeah. Right. And and uh, but 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 you know the waiting room as well. They'll have to do something about the waiting room. They'll have to open it up. Uh, it's it's freezing. It's freezing in the concourse. There's automatic doors either side of the concourse. Mm. So the, the door opens, a breeze comes in one way. The door opens the other way, and a breeze comes in another way. It's 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 dreadful. Or it's a wind tunnel then is created. Uh, All right. Well, Terry, you've raised the point. We've looked for a statement. Let's see if we can get further on this, because I'm sure the local representatives there in Thurles would have some concerns about this as well. So I'm let's, sure they will, yeah. and they'll have to get on to Irish Rail. Things will have to change there. They can't treat their customers like that. All right. And, and, and you know, I'm a Tipperary man, and a proud Tipperary man. Yeah. Yeah. And visitors visiting t- the Tipperary and coming to Thurles Station to see the state of this, they leave, they leave Tipperary, you know, with a sour taste in their mouth. All right. Terry, happy Christmas to you and thank you for raising and, this with thank us. You, thank you, Brian, and well thank done you. on your programme. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Good morning thank to you. you. That's uh, Terry with his opinion there about uh, the train station in Thurles. How do you feel about that? 83 311 Mary is with me. Mary, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How are you? I, I, I always double-check. Is it Mary or Marie? It's Marie. Marie, I beg your pardon, Marie. I, no problem. I, I often get well, that wrong. Yes, yes. You were listening to John, the farmer in question with the... Uh, the sheep kill on his land. Uh, what's what's the your poor con- man? Yeah, is that terrible? Isn't it, Marie? Absolutely. Yeah. Now this happened to me, but it was our dog um, many years ago, more than twenty years ago, possibly twenty five years ago. Right. And um, this dog was a, a pure pet. She had been be- fed on bottles. We took her in as a foster dog, and so she was to us. She would never have done it, but she did. Um, the farmer followed her back. He, um, he, when he found his sheep and he disrupted the pack, he recognised our dog. She wasn't attacking his sheep, but she was there in the pack. So he followed her back to our house. Now, when, she, when he came back, she was back before him. Mm. And um, there was no blood on her, nothing like that. But we put our hands up and said, OK, fine. But he didn't know any of the other dogs, so we investigated it further. And our house insurance covered the cost to the farmer. And that was why, 
Yeah, mm. only because it was a family pet. But for anybody that is listening and maybe has seen that, okay, it could be my dog and they're worried financially, I just think that maybe they should investigate that, down that route. Right, and was your dog put down, Marie? Yeah, he oh, was, yeah. Or she was, rather, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, no, I, I I know that to kill sheep is terrible, uh, but that must have been difficult as well, you know. Oh, you totally, know. totally. I was, we, we both were. We were devastated, but as the farmer said, she was there, and we know she was there because we had missed her. And right. when she came back, and he came back straight after her, and it was just a field beyond her house. So. And what kind of dog, Marie? Um, it was actually half um, a, some sort of a hunting dog. Like I think it was Louisian Springer, half and half cocker, something like that. It was right. mixed. So would have been would have been a benign dog. I mean, you know, yeah, the, the oh no. quiet dog and all of that. Yeah. Oh, she was a total pet inside most of the time, bottle fed, as I said. Um, but she was there. We know she was there, we, and we don't have a problem with that. We didn't have a problem with um, saying to the farmer, "Look, it was totally our fault." <laughs> so, right. Um, but just for the people that are listening that might have had a dog come home in the last couple of days with blood on them and whatever, just. Um, right. to help it, out that poor farmer. It, yeah. it, it, it may be covered by, by your... It your, may your be. Now, insurance. that's many, that's more than 20 years ago, possibly 25 years ago, whether that's changed now or not, I don't know. But because it was a family pet, um, our insurance covered it, our house insurance covered it. Yeah. Right. Um, did you have to take the dog to the vet, Marie, or how, how did that work? <laughs> that was another bone of contention. Was I was it? very upset. My husband was upset, so he brought the dog into the vet to get her put down. But on the way, he met the farmer, and the farmer asked to take the dog and put it down. So my husband, being upset, gave him the dog, thought about it afterwards, and um, we shouldn't have. We should have dead gone to the vet. But so the farmer would have shot the dog, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what you, you felt badly about that? Uh, oh, still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it it just goes. It's a cautionary tale, isn't it? That you know that even the quietest, most oh, lovable dogs, they can yeah. get into that pack mentality, and and she wouldn't have been a huge dog. Yeah, um, she would have been about the same size as a, oh, a cocker spaniel, slightly okay. bigger, maybe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And did any of the other dogs were were they found to be responsible? No, no just your no. dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now she didn't do any of the attacking. We know that for a fact. But yeah. she was there. She was running with them. Yeah. And they did. They did devastate. Now, these were show sheep. Um, right. And they did. Seemingly, my husband saw what they done, and it wasn't nice. So. Right. And again, I'm looking at these photographs in front of me today, Marie, and it just it's horrific, like horrific what, what, yeah. what happens, you know. Marie, oh, yeah. we really appreciate you coming out to tell Actually, us Actually, can I go back to the last conversation you were having you with can. the waiting room not being open? Yes, in fairness. Uh, I was talking, yeah, I was hmm. talking to a girl yesterday um, who was at, went to her GP. Now, she was a young girl. She's only in her 20. And she said, oh, I had to wait. I made an appointment. Fine, that's okay. That's okay. But she had to wait for a couple of hours in her car outside the GP's. And I said, oh, that's strange. Why didn't you go into the waiting room? And she said, it wasn't open. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, since COVID, they haven't opened up the waiting room in the GPs, so everybody has to wait in their cars. And I, like that, I'd be thinking of old people or people arriving in taxis or whatever. There's nowhere for them to go. And I haven't been to the GP in so long, I don't know whether... And this is methods. this is about what this is about COVID or infection control or something like that. Isn't it? Since COVID, I don't know. They just didn't open up their waiting room. So everybody has gets an appointment and you're called in then from your car to the GP. And I, just for old people, maybe even down to fuel 
and some people not being able to run their car for a couple of hours outside of GP. Um, I just thought that was a bit... It's, 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 it's rather strange. And is that generally the situation now? I don't know. Yeah. I only heard this yesterday. I don't know. Now, this is, I won't say the GPs, but it's in bar, so it's outside maybe okay. the rest. It's All right, one Marie. Off. Well, we'll put that out to people there and see if that's <laughs> fairly widespread as well. You look after yourself, Marie, and a happy Christmas Thanks, to you. Trump. Thank you so Many much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Now, that's Marie with us this morning. 1800 News is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. 1800 938 is our free phone number. We have that prize to give away. It's afternoon tea for two at the Talbot Hotel in Clamill and it's based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and text 0833113311 Thomas was on to us and he says friend just to say at the top of the show you mentioned the tarnished uh, as much as I can't stand him his private life is his own business and whoever leaked the video they're a very bad person um, yeah that's making reference to Leo Radcar saying that everybody makes errors in judgement but he's confident that he has the support of the Fine Gael party now those comments come after reports of unease I suppose within uh, the party about uh, recent controversies surrounding uh, Leo including that investigation by the Standards and Public Office Commission um, that's into the decision to leak uh, details of that contract to a GP friend and now he's been cleared of that of course and um, also needless to say that video circulating on social media of the tarnished socialising in a nightclub so he's saying everybody is human everybody makes errors in judgement what do you make of that do you want to do you want to respond to to that comment 083 now yesterday we discussed coping with the loss of a loved one, uh, especially grieving around Christmas time. And Patrick was on and he shared his experience of losing his mum uh, this year and the milestone that is Christmas and all of that. We got a huge reaction to Patrick yesterday and I know that he was telling Emma that he met people uh, on the street himself as he uh, was around town yesterday and again, people, um, I, I suppose, commiserating with him and... Uh, um, making sure that he's okay and the like. But uh, on the back of that, John sent in a piece about his late father on a WhatsApp note. Have a listen. The memories. The year almost gone. How much our life has changed. The only constant in our life is change. The question. How much and to what extent must we personally adapt to facilitate the process of life accommodate that change. All the handbooks for happy living and positive attitudes are great, but not one was written specifically for my set of circumstances. No one has my set of eyes to see it through. No one has collected my set of memories. Memories are a wonderful thing, especially when they are good memories. Our responsibility should be to create as many good memories as possible. One day, that's all any of us will be, a memory. Christmas is a time of year that evokes memories laden with emotions, happiness, sadness, remorse, regret, anticipation, fear, anxiety, 
all influencers, but none necessarily real. Each emotion is like the changing wind that can steer us towards unwanted destinations, unless we become resourceful at drawing on those positive memories to allow us navigate back to where we want to go. Those same winds can become gale force, even storm force, and the eye of that storm is usually somewhere between Christmas Eve morning and late afternoon Christmas day, depending on whether your focus is on preparation or execution. What's the bigger picture? This year at our table, there will be an empty chair. Someone that once complimented the food, remarked on the weather, spoke how busy the shops were, thanked you for your gifts, and maybe you watched them nap after dinner. For each of us, it's different. It's all about the memory now. Memories are the bridge between the heart and mind, and they need to be preserved. Celebrate that around your table there are more chairs filled than empty. Feel the pain, but don't use it as a shield, because if you do, you end up blocking everything that's good. Whether or not you are giving gifts, or maybe you haven't got a gift to give, remember, you have the gift of you to give someone. Our gift from God is our life. What we do with it is our gift to him. Have a great day. Have a great Christmas. Have a great year. And create the memories. And create the memories. And that's uh, John with his uh, voice note to us. A beautiful piece there. And my thanks to uh, John. Use the option of the voice note if you have a poem or if there's something you want to say to us. We'd love to hear from you um, in that fashion. 0833 Now, a great friend of the show, Jimmy Delaney, joins me now. Jimmy, good morning to you. Morning, Brian. Uh, really good to talk to you today, Jimmy. You, you were in touch with us yesterday as well. And... This is regarding your late father and indeed your sister as well, Jimmy. That's right, Fran. A lonesome time of the year comes up to Christmas now, Fran, yeah. So yeah. it is. And they they died by suicide, Jimmy. That's right, Fran, yeah. Sister happened to sister in 2016. So this uh, father actually, actually popped out for an hour. It was just before Christmas again. And uh, there was just no sign of it happening. No signs are absolutely happy as going girl, I guess. 16 years of age, popped out for an hour, come back, and found found Rufstures, passed away. My, so did. my God, that, that must have been devastating on the family, Jimmy. Oh, stuff, Fran. I'll never, I'll never forget the same evening. I was actually I was actually walking the dog out the, out the back field, and I heard the partner roar, scream, and call me. So I thought myself something was after happening in the house, and at the same time, the, the kids were younger, and they had a habit of going near the window, so that's the first thing that can be mind, you get me? Of and uh, I ran out and she stood looking at me. She said, your sister, your sister Melissa, she said, you have to go. So a 16, 17-year-old young friend, you think she's after going missing or something. Yeah, Do you get me? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'll never forget what I said. But I said, what can I do with Melissa? I goes, I can't. you get me? She said, no, no, your sister Melissa, she said, she's after trying to do weight. I said, what's sure what happened? So with the, with the fright I got, I I actually left the dog on my hand and I kind of took away, running down along the footpath and I forgot to actually scare the car. So we got to the we got to the father's house. He was actually he was actually living in the top of Friar Street that time. Mm. We got to the house. The ambulance was there. Everything was there, and so we could hear them uh, 
they were trying to they were trying to revive her one way of saying it upstairs we could hear like the shock machines through the floor oh my god yeah so no so the guards come down and told us or she was going into cardiac arrest so then with the uh, they brought her to Tom Mill oh Jesus it was like when looking at her it's like, it like she was asleep do you get me yeah I know Yeah. so it was a uh, it was uh, absolutely it was uh, actually when it was all over and done much that is more or less the shock but it all kind of hit you do you get me so I see what you call it. After that, Jesus, absolutely. The mother and father could never go back to the house after it happened. So they kind of stood with, stood with the sister for uh, to get me until yes. they got, got somewhere else to live. But in that length of time, I seen it. It absolutely dragged the mother and father to the ground. To absolutely did. I reckon I'll never forget the looks on their faces. You get me? It devastated them, John. Oh, yeah. absolutely. The lowest. It was the lowest blow of the lowest. So then, uh, so then, three months later, <clears throat> the father kind of his head kind of deteriorated, and mm. so he was suffering wicked bad with pains in his neck. And so we we thought that it was a he went to Dublin and they told him that, that there was actually a fracture bone in in his neck, so he'd go and get a steel. So we were thinking the worst friends, you get me? Thought yeah. it was a big thing at the time. So and actually, when they tested the when they tested the, the bone, they said he'd uh, cancer. So. He was he was doing unreal with that. Absolutely, he was doing wicked well with it, up healthy, doing his everyday thing. And for it was not one bother him. And we often we often said to ourselves, Jesus, did the did the doctors get the diagnosis wrong because he was up healthy everything. Yeah. Now he went for his treatment in Dublin, and we'd always get up and see him, see him say, "Treatments will go up one day and I'll get the train up, and another to always keep company." Do you get me? Yeah. Yeah. So then you could see, but friend, you could always see then when you bring up the, when you always bring up what happened to the sister, what happened to the sister, absolutely, it took him to the ground. He was the most, he was the most outgoing as man you get. So he was, he was absolutely, the father was, a, the father was a wicked respect friend. So yeah. he was, yeah. the father was more or less a, one way of saying it, he was a father and a friend. And, and he was respected off everyone. Everyone, absolutely. There was one, no one had a bad word to about right, But he was destroyed by your sister's death. Oh, and absolutely. Fran, that took him to the ground. He was never... Even the, the look he had in his face, the smile he had in his face, that went... Pulled him. Pulled him to the ground. Him and the mother. They were never the same. So his health anyway got, got kind of bad, deteriorated, and he'd be always saying about his sister, always be on what would she be doing? Do you get me? No, yeah, like, I know. All the general conversation, so... So next it was uh, back in 2020, he got he got really kind of got sick. His head kind of went down and his walk wasn't so good. And he was always saying, he always had a shame. Oh, the doctor said I'll be in a, I'll be in a, a wheelchair. He was always ashamed of it. You get me? Yes. How can I go around with people looking at me like this? So we were always kind, kind of to him, hey, look, you'll get over. You'll get over. We said like that. So because he had bad days and he had good days. But unfortunately, he, he had a bad day this day and he never came back from us. So... The evening, the evening when he died, we were all there with him because he was in wicked pain and we were trying to get a doctor in to see him and we wanted to bring him up to Wheatfield but COVID was at, at his best that time and they said they couldn't send a doctor out or an ambulance over the COVID. So we said, what happened? We drive to the, the Wheatfield for someone to look at him mm. and they said, no, no, they said, no one can come near the premise over COVID which like, it was an understandable thing at the time. Did you get yes, me? Yes, yeah. So... He was there anyway, friend, Ryan talked to him. I was, I'll never forget it. He was in the bed and I was actually trying to slag him Cheering him up, do you get me? Yeah, but he was in pain, Jimmy, was he? Oh, he was in pain. Oh, jeez, man, he was. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want me enemy to go through the pain when I see me father going through. Oh, my God. So, when he was in the bed, 
So I, the phone in my hand, I'll never forget it. I took one last picture, but I still have the picture on the phone, tagged him. And he said, don't be taking pictures. He said, I'm not in form, he said. So I and I, I ended up going home the same evening. The other brothers was in there with him. No, just keep, so the mother, the mother was there with him for an hour, and he told the mother, why don't you not put the lad to look at, looking at me? He said, the way I am. So I'll never forget the same day I was I was setting up uh, cartoons on the TV, a cartoon after the kids. So I actually rang the brother, and I, he never rang me back. So after I'd gone, the mother came back home, and he actually went missing. And she never been Captain Gunner, the house she told me. It was only until he, he, she seen his van actually gone. And so since she rang the brother, we said, basically she was just over and being so sick while he went out. We thought he was blowing to sister's grave because he used to be morning, evening and night for the four years that she was gone. He'd go in the morning, go in the day and late at night. Every single day for four years. So if, when we went anyway, there was no sign him there. So one of them said to me, the fellas that's going missing. So he actually had stables, just everyone knows, everyone, even the locals in town knows where he had the stables, just on the Lublin Road on the right-hand side. Yes. So brother went down there, so I did. I'll never, I'll never forget it. I was just on the way. And next the phone rang, and he began roaring and screaming and crying. Oh, did you get me? So Jesus, friend, look, when, when we went in, I put it this way. I, I wouldn't like anyone to see what we've seen. Oh my God! Oh my God! It's just, just un, 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 unbelievable. He, he just, he couldn't take any more, really, Jimmy. Was that it? Oh, just, but, but that, that's what I'm saying, friend. Yeah. Just when that, when that affected my father, I often, I often said, this, I often said this, because he was a wicked man again. So he was. Do you get me? Uh, about, about suicide was it? It was, yeah, it was. It just, it just went, to, it just went to the blink of a pint. Where it affected him as well, do you get me? I do, I do. But he had he spoken openly about that in the past that he was against the notion of. Oh, he was, yeah, all yeah. wicked again. And he, he often and he often said one thing when we were younger. He often said there was a there was fourteen there was fourteen of us in a friend. Yeah. So it was there was a there was fourteen of us and it was five five girls and uh, boys. And he always said he always said one thing. He always said how how lucky how lucky he was to. Uh, the rear of family, he said, and not never have them all grand and healthy, like, you get me? Yes. There's all all big healthy lads of us and all healthy girls. And then that happened with the sister and then the father. It's a blow that no one ever forget. Absolutely never. And just never. And it was hard with the sister, but when it happened us with the father, my God almighty. See, the father, the father, every time, every, everything, every, something went wrong with us, friend. The father was always the guidance, our guidance, you get me? Yes. He was so, there, there for you all the time. All the friend, the father reared us. Look, I remember back and said, eighties, and that father reared us through hard times and tough times. Yeah. Do you get me? I know. I and know. he all, he educated us since the school, since since out, since out working. So he would, he wouldn't leave us at home unless we were out working. So he did. Made sure we got a third level education since out working. So we did. And he, he just always, and as I said, he was just, he was just respected with. So many people, and I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day of his funeral. It was one of the biggest funerals I reckon that ever ever came came to Cashel. And we brought him up to the, his old home house in Sparefield, and he got the he got the guard of honour up there. It was about Jesus. There was easily three or four hundred people waiting up there for him. Was there? We, there was Jesus. There was, and we brought him down through the middle of Cashel. The, all the Cashel, all the Cashel stuff from. Right, and, and that that was that was settled people and traveller people. Was, and... That was settled. That was settled people as well, friend. He was just no one ever had a bad word to say about. And even even say if I say if I head out for a pint on the weekend, 
You'll always meet one or two of his old friends that always come up and give that good word about him. And they remember him well, yeah. Oh, Jesus, he was absolutely, he was, abso- he was absolutely, in my eyes, he was a legend of a man. I'll never meet a man like him again. What about the impact on you, Jimmy, and your, your brothers and sisters as well? Oh, uh, friend, it, it absolutely, it, it pulled the family apart from for ages. Did it? As yeah. it looked, you through time you learn how to live with it, but you will never get over it. Absolutely. And as always, Christmas, birthdays, his anniversary, you will, you'll like, you'll always think of it. So he was. But it's just the blow, the blow that I give to the family was just absolutely, absolutely unreal. Yeah, we we hear about within the travelling community, Jimmy, that there is a, a big issue with with suicide and mental health issues and stuff. Is that your experience, Jimmy, of of it? Friend, mental health, mental. In my opinion, friend, I'll be honest. Mental health. Look, see, the travelling community. Look, it's a smaller community, and when it happens, it kind of happens a lot. In it, but it happens in all, like, it happens in all, all community, no matter if you're a traveller or not. That's my opinion. Yes. I know settled, I know settled lads that was my friends and they committed suicide. I saw this and Facebook. Facebook is after turning into, as I call it, a kind of a death notice. Every time you see, you'll never see good news on it anymore. It's, it's yeah. kind of bad news. Yeah. Now I look. I have Facebook myself, but I always keep Facebook. I always upload pictures of kids and everything. Also, I'll always have my every one of them. I can just. I hold it as an album for the family. Did you ever see that one? Yeah, yeah, good idea too. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I never, I never lose them that way. But you'll all, but suicide happens in all what's called friend. It happens in all society, not just, not just say people. Some of his are traveller community. It happens in all. Yes. Ha- like I bet there's, there's friends in your community. You know that. Absolutely, happens. absolutely, yeah, for sure. Happens, yeah. It happens in all communities. So do, but it's a lot. My opinion, friend, it's a lot got to do with uh, people say. Shame, not going asking for help. Yeah. As I as I says, uh, when you be better off getting the help, when you be better off getting the help than uh, than in a graveyard. Cause well, well, that's for, for, from, that's for sure. Yeah. Because from my point of view, with the with the impact I see, what I had in my family, with my sister, my father. To get me, if, like if we to see, say my father was like that. Jesus Christ, but we would have gotten help, but we didn't see it coming. And you spoke to me in the past about your dad. I mean, you know, he loved the horses. He was really outgoing, as as you say. And you're in no doubt that his illness and his final decision to take his own that was based on the loss of your sister, I suppose. Oh, the, initially, the, sister yeah. dragged, the sister dragged him absolutely, friend. Yeah. The sister dragged him to the ground. After now, dragged him and my mother. Now look, I'd often, I'd often see, see my see my mother. Look, she have good days and bad days. Look, as I often said, as I often said to my partner, I said, I imagine tomorrow morning, I said. If you lost your youngest child, and I said somewhere along the line, I said I was gone. How? Like, imagine the impact that had on her. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Like, all all my brothers and sisters now, right? They all grew up. They all they all have their own families. And like, as as my mother often said to me, she said, "Look, you can go home to all your families. She have to live alone now. Do you get me?" I know. I know the so, poor pet. Yeah. Oh, stop. She and and she's living alone with all the memories, Jimmy. And, oh, you know. friend, she's living. She has her good days and her bad days. But she every time you always go, we always hear about the father and the sister. And but I always had, I always had the same belief, and we always said the same thing. If it hadn't, say, if that hadn't happened to my father, I generally reckon he would be. Yeah, he would be sick today, but he'd be still alive. And Christmas time, then, Jimmy, is it one of the worst milestones? Is it particularly uh, lonesome? Oh, friend, you listen, coming up to Christmas, right? It's when you see all everyone with their families and everything, like, it's absolutely, it's, it's half ripping. Absolutely half ripping. Like, and then you'd always think of the sister, look, you'd always think for her, but, and you'd always, the, the father, I said, look, the father, the father was the milestone of the family. He kept, he, he was just, said, if there was ever, say, any problem, the father was the man, he'd fix it. That was that, you get me? He yeah. was, he was our, our dependent. Yeah. 
and he he always he always had a motto, and I'll never forget it. If you, he always said, if you give, no matter who you are, he said, if you give respect to people, you get respect, and that's the motto I I always had myself. If you if you if you give respect to anyone, no matter who they are, you'll get respect back. But if you disrespect people, you're going to be disrespected back. Well, he was a wise man, Jimmy. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, very. Oh, he was a like he was a like man. Everyone that ever knew him, absolutely never had a, absolutely loved him. He absolutely he got on with everyone. He respected everyone. And Jesus, I remember when we were off in Young Lads, Jesus, have you, have you ever brought trouble back to the house? Oh my God. What he he'd be very tough on you, would he? Oh, friend, he he he'd always say, "Don't ever shame me down that town." Right. He'd always say that. And look, we we kind of lived up to this the same thing. Like I'd be the same thing about my little young lads. You get me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, he made sure we always had school education. He he ran us out working. He he wouldn't. My father wouldn't allow us to wait at home. So he wouldn't. In no way. He often said, "Was you're not going to wait for no hundred euro a week here? Out work or get go somewhere else?" And he was right. And look, as as far as my family grew up, my brothers done the same thing with my nephews. Like all of my most of my nephews are working. Nieces are all working. Do you get me? And that comes from the ethos that 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 oh, your father put oh, out there. That one hundred percent. The father the father was a man. He lived through the hard times, and he always said, "You're not going to live through the hard times I lived through." And then, as corn as uh, as corn as we grew up, like he sent us out working. Like I, me, my brothers, geez, we give we give years on the business side, absolutely years working. So we did, and then the same thing with the, the nephews. Corn, the nephews was growing, the brothers put them out working. They're all they're all working seven days a week. So they are. They don't even miss a Sunday working. Well, Jimmy, I'm so I'm so thankful to you for sharing that story today because I suppose what's important to come out of it is for anybody out there who's feeling terrible and it might have crossed their mind to maybe take oh, their friend, own life as well, but that devastates a family, doesn't it? It wipes it out a family. Friend, it absolutely breaks my thunder. And as I said, it's this time of the year when you'd be always trying to visit the graves and everything, you'd always, yeah. to get me, you'd always be thinking yeah. of the memories that you had with Christmas and everything, everything like that. But look, my honest belief about it is, look, as you said, look about happening to travelling communities. My honest belief, it happens in all communities. That yeah. happens to everyone. There's no, there's no particular person. Oh, we're throwing stone. It happens. It happens to everyone. Yeah. I know, I know, friends that have had that did it. Yeah. I know, I know, friends that have had that that tried it. It look, it happens to everyone. Absolutely. A doctor, a doctor will tell you that that at least cross a man or woman's time. It will cross a man or woman's mind seven times in a lifetime with pressure. My God. And look, would would the would the way it's done now would live in everything like that to be more of a frequent thing? You get me, Jimmy. My best to you and your family, uh, particularly at this Christmas time. And, and thank you so much for sharing that with me, Jimmy. We really appreciate That's it. Not about it. And happy yeah. Christmas as well, friend. Uh, many happy returns to you, Jimmy. Thank not you. And bye, bye, thank bye, you very much, friend. Thank you. Bye, bye, you know. That's uh, Jimmy Delaney speaking there about the loss of his dad. And his sister to suicide. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. I'll be right back. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, from any child's perspective, Christmas is the most exciting time of year, but excitement is a a huge feeling and ratcheted up uh, too high. It can tip the child into difficult to to manage emotions with uh, some consequences in terms of how a child might uh, behave. Now, Deirdre Holland-Hannon is a behaviour specialist and she joins me now. Deirdre, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you uh, today. It is every child's dream, of course, but it goes on for so many weeks and the build-up and all of that. It can result in um, strange behaviour with the kids, can't it? 
Yeah, and it kind of goes on for longer than ever, I guess, now as well, um, with with the way, I suppose, it's been commercialised even more into Halloween. But I think regardless of the, the build-up and the length, the build-up, I suppose, is always an issue because they don't have the timeline. Like, you know, they mm. think everything's... They're, they're living in the moment, you know, and um, if we... The, so many sleeps can feel very far away. Um, so I think even without the, the big um, lead-in that we have now, I think even if you didn't have that, so much goes on at Christmas. It, it naturally gets overwhelming, especially for our smaller people. So, you mm. know, under sevens or under fives in particular, our toddlers and our preschoolers, um, I know they were definitely some of my hardest Christmases when, when, when the boys were um, in the twos and the trees, for sure. Um, because it's just, it's a lot for them. And some children are, are more, you know, for the want of a better word, triggered by, you know, change and overstimulation and, you know, all those voices. Yes. Um, you know, I, I find it myself even at times in, you know, crowded situations. And they get exhausted, I suppose, with it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it's just, about managing everyone's expectations mm. um, and, and that's not easy I think the hardest I think the hardest adjustment is when you become a new parent and you sometimes try to crowbar your past Christmas into your new Christmas Absolutely <laughs> yes I know I've been there and yeah. it's like you know the greatest shock ever that oh it doesn't work like that and you know you're, the, the trouble with Christmas is you see of all the extended family uh, as well I know and yeah. you're, you, managing your boundaries with them is always difficult if you weren't sure of your own boundaries as a new parent then they're definitely not so you know everyone's kind of mm. a little bit um, uh, finding it tough but I and think do it's, they it's pick up on your fears and your uh, examples as well oh the, god yeah and yeah. I mean you know they let's face it, you know, do as I say and not as I do, it, it never works. It's always kind of monkey see, monkey do. So, you know, if you're up to 90, if you're tense, um, you know, if if you're kind of trying to keep the peace and family dynamics as well, they're feeling all that tension mm. and, and, you know, what can sometimes even be perceived as insincerity. What is mom saying? She's not normally like that. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, but I suppose it's about managing our expectations one of the things I always remember is having to remind myself that you know and I, I say to parents a lot that just because it's Christmas or a birthday party whatever it is doesn't mean the child needs change for that week or day you know the two year old that needed a two hour nap last week will need it Christmas day um, if if they were like a briar when they missed a nap hmm. You know, last week, it'll, it, it won't be any different. I think what hits hardest for parents as well is, you know, sometimes their behaviour can be perceived as, you know, ungrateful for all that's been done for them. And I think that's, you know, a mindset our generation of parenting is working on. I think it's a little bit of an older one mm. but that we are working on and, and we're getting better because, you know, kids live in the moment. They're not having a meltdown over the Brussels spout because they don't love what they got off Santa and what? that they were brought to that yes. they were brought to the panto. Neither of the two are connected, or neither. Even though, as the person may be doing all the work, it, it's 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 how it hits. You know, yes, how it they can seem ungrateful you. for all the the the, exactly. the toil and trouble. And yeah, you kind of think, oh my God, you know, what am I doing? And they're still having tantrums. But I suppose it's about managing our expectations mm. and mindsets and knowing that. 
even though it's Christmas, no matter what we do, no matter how magical or how much money we spend, a child will be a child. Of Their course, needs yeah. will still be the same. And of course, they're going to get overwhelmed and, and, and have those Do you know something I'd love to hear your opinion on, Deirdre, is that, do you know that narrative about being good or Santa won't bring you or you won't oh, get this, yeah. you know, if you're not a good <laughs> child? Is that, is that a pressure on children, is it? Yeah, now I have to say, I would be of the, I suppose, for me, I would be of the, the um, school of thought that, like, that needs to go. Like, mm. it wouldn't be in my house. There'd be would no one walking yeah. in my house. And naturally, then work like, I suppose, what parents find hard, or what, when I say that, what parents come back to me with is, but your dear, you know, all they're hearing about is the elf and the naughtiness and the, <laughs> the good list and all the rest. But look like everything. There's always external um, things affecting our parenting. It's how we manage them for our own. It's like our own Christmas traditions. Mm. So yes, there is an elf in someone else's house, but it doesn't have to be in yours. Or That house might not be able to touch their elf, but you can touch your elf and do what you like with him because he's not reporting to Santa in our house anyway. And I suppose for my kids, and why I don't like the narrative is because my children's behaviour is not integral to their as a person yes. so if yeah. if John has a meltdown um, he is not a meltdown you know he's got overwhelmed he's emotional mm. and he's having a you know he doesn't have the, the emotional maturity or the coping strategies yet to manage this better so he is not his yes. meltdown you know what I mean you're still a good person just because you hit your brother doesn't mean you're a bad person um, and, and I think we kind of go very black and white and if it does you know, very much then weave into their self-worth and their self-esteem. So, you know, it's it's about, I think, nurturing the narrative a little way. Yes. For mine, everyone's on the good list. I'm conscious as well, as well that, I mean, not only might they be overwhelmed and tired with everything that's going on around them, but, of course, we fill them full of sugar then because of all the snacks well, and all the... I, I have definitely said it in this house. I've looked at my husband and gone, we have done this. We've created yeah. this and now we're annoyed. <laughs> now we are annoyed. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it was even maybe two weeks ago we were going to see Santa and, you know, my middleman was off his trolley hyper. And I was just like, I was biting my tongue trying not to correct him because I was like, I've done this. I've done this, like, you know, this, yes. yeah, he's been normal, and I'm agitated by it now, um, because I'm I'm spinning too many blades. But you know, and I'm not saying I I probably didn't snap from time to time, but mm. I suppose I was trying to reduce. My I level. know, but that's so honest. I mean, we've all done it as well. Just advice to to parents out there, um, and indeed grandparents as well, dear. I'm conscious of that too, because they have such an influence over how kids behave too. Um, what what would you say? What's your advice? I, I think for for the grandparents is, you know, check in with the boundaries. Check in with the preferences. I'm very lucky, you know, m- my mum and dad will check in because they'll know I'll have <laughs> an opinion mm. and they will check in and, and see what's okay and what, what's not okay and, you know, is it a good time to, to call or, you know, can they have that or whatever and, and they respect my boundaries. I know that's not the case in, in every house but I suppose it's about then as well having the confidence to respectfully set your boundaries which yes. um, 
with family um, and and doing that maybe before it kicks off, if you know what I mean, or doing it before tensions are high. So even a few of my clients, you know, coming up to this time of year who are going away for, you know, they'll be staying with the family for maybe the fortnight because they're different sides of the country or even abroad. And it's about kind of strategizing what's going to work for that child that you know is going to be triggered by the scenario. So I suppose one two pieces of advice I always give in that in that scenario is one voice. One voice to the child that's already overwhelmed would be incredibly helpful because it's very hard for them to be taken direction, correction and demand whilst overstimulated and overwhelmed by everything else. So granny weighing in, dad weighing in, mom weighing in, auntie, you know, mm-hmm. older cousin one voice and you know what it helps as well for the parents to enjoy their Christmas maybe with that toddler or preschooler that they know is going to find it hard if you divide up the week so okay we're going to the cousins on Monday and then we have grannies on Tuesday so will you take the lead with John on Monday or will you half day each so then you know mom can go away and talk to the cousins for an hour Mm. and visit and then swap over rather than it kind of being just a mess. You know, the way Great that piece you, of advice. you Great can advice. leave the house then kind of yep. going, oh my God, that visit was carnage. I didn't get a word in. I never got to talk to her. Divide and conquer, but plan it. There's no point in being in, in the mess. Divide and conquer. Let one of you take the lead. Divide up the visit and, and, and kind of just stay ahead of it. So you can actually enjoy it. Because that's, that's the saddest part of these scenarios is I... One of my, I suppose, biggest ethos in parent support is saving parental energy and getting parents to be able to enjoy their kids and enjoy this time off at this time of the year as well, that it doesn't have to be hard work. And remember as well, it's for the short term. Like, the older they get, the easier all these scenarios get as well. So even though they might be scared of Santa this year, because that's another thing that crops up every now and then, is the Santa visits one thing. But the odd time you'll get a child that will literally, the penny will drop Christmas Eve, and the magic will stop, and they will be like, I do not want that man coming into my house. Um, And and you're kind of thrown then as well, because you're like, oh my God, this is what we were building up to (laughs) forever. You know, so it's it's about helping parents um, you know, I suppose strategize to be able to enjoy their time off. They worked hard enough for it. Um, you know, between money, time, all, all that we put into Christmas, it's really important that they get that time with their family and, and they get to enjoy it too. But the only way, you know, the way they say you can't have everything, well, you can't have everything together, but you can have everything if you divide and conquer, I always feel, mm-hmm. and, and kind of work it out that way. Well, and and. Deirdre, it's fantastic advice uh, as uh, always and I hope that uh, there's some nuggets there for, 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 for parents and indeed as I say for grandparents out there as well. Deirdre, it's always good to talk to you and thank you for your time. Thanks so much, friends. Uh, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Bye bye to you now, Deirdre. Thank Bye-bye. you. That's uh, Deirdre Holland Hannon there with some fantastic uh, advice for parents out there at what can be indeed a very overwhelming uh, time of year. Back in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Well, we had a big response to uh, Jimmy's conversation with me about the loss of his dad and his sister. A listener says, uh, I've had an empty chair in our house uh, since my dad died when I was 11. 
um, the 34 Christmases ago. It's no less painful. I have my private cry and then I remember the magical times as a child, his hearty laugh. And I wonder how different things would be. And I've kept my promise to him when he got sick and he said, uh, won't you look after your mum? My nephew died by suicide in 2021 and this has broken me so bad. Sometimes I think the pain in my heart will stop it from beating but I stay strong on the outside to be there for others. He loved Christmas and lights, so I bought extra lights just to follow through on our plans for stuff like this, to watch my sister and his dad and sister go through. Um, This time is particularly hard. Um, Everybody's grief is their own, and only you can walk that path, says one of our listeners. Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas indeed, and keep those good memories for the hard days they are the glue for a broken heart says one of our listeners another listener saying I lost my daughter in early December and we lost my brother in November a few years ago now when we ask my parents what they want for Christmas they reply um, just that we would be there Christmas isn't the same anymore happy Christmas to all at Tip FM says one of our listeners Shannon joins me now Shannon good morning to you Hi, friend. How are you? And good to talk to you. You were listening to our piece there on, on to, with uh, Deirdre about Christmas and the excitement and all of that. Um, is your issue that you have to regulate your own excitement, Shannon? Yeah, I have to stop myself spending all my money every week. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a real Christmas person, are you? Um, I would be. This year now, I don't know, it's not as much, but um, I think that's just because it kind of, I feel like it just came around so fast. Yeah, I, I thought this year just flew by I can't, can't believe it's Christmas time already but w- what about spending money on toys and all of that Shannon um, I feel like it's something that it just gets bigger every year doesn't it like the expectations and like I find but my, my child now he's three and every time he meets another child and asks them what are they getting off Santi he automatically is saying to, oh I'm getting this off Santi too Right. and then you don't want to disappoint them but you, you have to kind of draw a line as well but it adds to the list then. Oh, exactly. And roughly, what would the spend be on a, on a, a young child, Shannon? Just just roughly. Um, well, I know everyone is different. I have three kids under four, and I think um, I've spent about 900. Wow. That's a lot, isn't it? And there's still, uh, the three-year-old has announced that he wants a tie lawn more. And I'm like, when does it end? When does it end? You have three under four. Yeah. God, you poor dog. You have your hands full, haven't you? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but the only—I'd say it's magical though around Christmas time, though, is it? Because the excitement must be great, is it? Well, this is the first year now that my my oldest two kind of know what's going on. So right. I know you were talking about using the narrative of Santa won't come. It worked in my house for about two weeks, and now they don't care. <laughs> What, if you're not good, Santi won't come, is that it? Yeah, I say Santi's out in his helicopter and now I'm getting responses like, well, I can't see a helicopter. <laughs> and how do you get around those those converts? That's very good. God, they're so grown up now, even at a young age, by comparison to ourselves, aren't they? I know, you'd be, you'd be surprised what comes out of their mouth. I don't see a helicopter. Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it indeed. What What are the popular toys this Christmas, Shannon? What What are they all looking for? Um, just Just in general, is there, is there something in particular like the Cabbage Patch years ago and all of that? Is there? Oh, we lost Shannon. There you go now. She's all gone. 
She's on, it must be it must be the helicopter. I'd say that's probably uh, what it is. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Somebody else saying, "Well done to Jimmy for speaking out like that." God bless him. He is right too. Says one of our listeners. Thomas says, uh, "Fran, I agree. The loss of a parent and the memories of Christmas is so hard and difficult. And uh, many will always say it gets easier, but it doesn't. But you do learn." to live with loss, says uh, Thomas. Uh, Patrick was on to say, and Patrick was the uh, gentleman we spoke to yesterday about his loss, and uh, he says, uh, good wishes to Jimmy, and God bless uh, Jimmy. Uh, Noreen was on to say, oh my God, Jimmy's story is just heartbreaking, and uh, we're saying we're saying prayers for him uh, today as well. Um, yeah, we're getting a lot in as well about this idea that was brought up on the programme uh, about um, having to wait outside of GPs' offices in cars to be called in as opposed to the waiting room. Now, now I suppose this is another hangover from COVID in that if you're not in the waiting room, you, you, you won't pick up the bugs uh, that's going around there from other people, I, I suppose. But uh, there you go. An interesting one from Lister here to say, uh, we had some road rage on Saturday in Clonmel. A man in a big white van, it seemed to be a van from Cork, uh, got mad that we weren't driving fast enough down Davis Road. We didn't do anything wrong with our driving, but he kept his hand on the horn the whole way from Dunn's to the traffic lights. The lights turned red. We had to lock the doors as we thought he was going to get out of the van. He eventually turned off for the keys, but he was still glaring at us and beeping the horn at us as well. It was pure road rage by the van driver because my husband was behaving fine and wasn't exactly crawling along. So that's in from one of our listeners today. And I've heard a couple of bits and pieces about road rage uh, over the last few days. And I wonder, am I making excuses here and saying maybe it's that uh, time of year? Uh, maybe it's just people are under such pressure that they're they're getting into uh, cars and vans and they're they're all sort of wound up and that or maybe I'm just being too uh, too kind to them. Um, Anne was on to us from Mulnahone and wondering if there's bingo in Ballingarry tonight. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe people from Ballingarry might be able to. Okay, Pat is just telling me in my headphones that it's off. In fact, so there is not bingo in Ballingarry tonight. See. That's the way we have fresh fresh news here, Anne, all of the time. And Anne also tells me that she's looking forward to hearing Roger Metha on the programme a little bit later on. News and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Oh eight three three double one double three double one for your WhatsApp and uh, texts. And of course, you can use WhatsApp to send us a voice note as well. Now, if you do so, it's tacit agreement that you don't mind us putting it out on air. OK, so if you're sending us a voice note, just just for you to be, be aware of that, that we, we take it that uh, if you do so, you're agreeing that we can put it out on air. Now, we're with you every... Weekday morning from nine, of course, with a tip today. And John spoke to me just after nine o'clock this morning about the devastating dog attack on his farm in Moneygall over the weekend where 50 of his lambs were killed by uh, dogs that came on to uh, the land. Now, here's a little of what he had to say. I got into the field and all I heard was one of them saying, they're dead, they're dead, they're everywhere. There's dead sheep everywhere. And then they said, there's a dog, there's the dogs. I told him to 
see could uh, get near the dogs, identify them or whatever. The dogs ran, they got near one of them. The other one ran up across the hill and I at this stage had rang my neighbours at either side of me day to go out to see could I see the dogs or locate where they went. And they could see nothing. And at this stage I was home, got home. And what I saw, I never want to see again, Fran. There were dead lambs everywhere. There was 120 lambs in the field and there's 50 of them dead. My God. The dogs killed for sport. There was none of them ate or tore asunder. They were just caught by the throat and killed. There was 11 lambs corralled into a corner and obviously one dog held them in the corner while the other one killed them because they were in a pile in the corner. All caught by the throat and killed. Devastating. And that's uh, John speaking to us this morning. So, so, so upset over what happened and so devastated by what happened. And as I said, the pictures of that here in front of me, and it's not for the faint hearted, I can uh, assure you. And uh, we had um, another text in on this, and it says, Good morning, Fran. As the wife of a sheep farmer, my heart is broke for that poor man this morning on your show. Myself and the children look after the lambs uh, that have issues uh, with their survival, and it's wonderful to see them survive. Cathy doesn't realise the amount of care, love and work into rearing sheep. We make sure our sheep get a great start with us. This is one of our listeners, and that's making reference to Cathy, who was on to us a little earlier on, and saying that while, you know, she was heartbroken for for John, she was making the point that these lambs end up, uh, and sheep, I suppose, as well, end up on lorries uh, being herded off to uh, be slaughtered. And she's uh, has concerns about that as well. So that's what the reference to Cathy is there. 1800 938 And as I said, we have that uh, afternoon tea for two to give away as well. And that's based on your interaction with us by WhatsApp and text. It's time for Dear Phil. For every problem, there's a solution. Dear Phil on Tip Today with Phil Prendergast. Phil, good to see you again. How are you this morning? Great, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. And we have lots ready for you. And we'll go with uh, letter number one. Hi, Phil. I've worked in the same place for over 20 years. We have a small staff and all of us are great friends and very close. So much so that we'd often go out together and attend functions, all of us together. There's one lady in particular who I'm close with who is quite flirty especially with my husband. I copped it from the beginning that they would often flirt with each other, but I didn't make anything of it. The thing is, I found out recently that they are sleeping with each other and they have been doing so for quite some time. The surprising thing for me is that when I found out, I wasn't really that bothered. My husband and I have been married for nearly 30 years and while we have a good marriage, I wouldn't say he lights my world on fire. We get on well, but I see our relationship more as a friendship. What I'm wondering now is, should I confront my husband or even both of them and tell them that I know what's going on or should I just leave them to it? I don't have a problem with them having a sexual relationship as long as it doesn't come at the cost of our marriage and home life or at the cost of my friendship with my colleagues. Is it worth confronting them over? That's a peculiar letter, isn't it? I'll tell you, she's suffering from a multitude of disarranged ideas. I have never been so confused by what the message is in this. Yeah. Like she she goes t- saying that they're a team of people who work together and 
you know, get on very well. She said herself and her husband have been married for 30 years and have a good marriage, but he doesn't light her world up. And you know what I would say? That's peculiar to any relationship where you get used to being Mm. in a relationship, but it doesn't, it's just a different kind of relationship than the initial first flush of whatever. Um, But like, she, she sees, she has a good marriage as she sees it. She knows her husband now is having an affair with this woman. She has a, a relationship with that woman herself. She likes her. She doesn't care about the husband having the relationship with the hus- with the woman. She doesn't have a problem with them having a sexual relationship. As long as it doesn't come at the cost of her marriage or the home life or the cost of her friendship with that colleague. Now, I have never seen such a confused really state strange. in all of my life. Yeah. Um, what what do you she, say to her, Phil? She just says, like, would I, is it worth confronting them over? Now, she doesn't want her marriage to end and she's okay with him having sex with this woman and she likes this woman still and doesn't want to... Like, there's so much contradictions in even the attitudes I, I actually do not know what to advise her. Mm. It seems as if she's in a very comfortable relationship. She wants to stay married to her man. She doesn't care about him having the affair with the other one. She still wants to be friends with her. I think I'd be ripping her head off. Yeah, it's it's the bit that she wants to stay friends with her that yeah. I would find particularly I don't uh, have a strange. problem with them having a sexual relationship as long as it doesn't come at the cost of our marriage and home life or at the cost of my friendship with my colleague. Is it worth confronting them over it? Mm. I'd say she should just answer her own question. She should decide what she wants to do about this. Her marriage is going to be damaged if she decides to confront them. It is going to create an awkwardness. Mm. But it's already very awkward. It's very dysfunctional. But this is it not damaged anyway? In that's way. my point. Yeah. That it's actually... <laughs> this is a very, very strange ideology in relation to a woman she wants to continue to be friends with her marriage is already, as I see it, it's only in name only. There is, I can't see any basis for solidity in this marriage because he's he's not, um, he's having an affair with somebody else and she doesn't mind. And she, and she wants to stay friends with the woman he's having the affair with. Is she trying to protect herself in some way, subliminally even? Um. I'd imagine she's looking for some steer on it. But I mean, I I can't see how she's damned if she does now and damned if she doesn't is is what I see in it because I I really can't advise her because it's so weird. This this story is so weird. Yes, because halfway through I thought it was going to be an issue of your woman flirting with the husband and you know what should she do about it and then all the other stuff emerged. Yeah, so it's it's a very. It's a very strange situation. I, I don't think it's going to end well. There is, and certainly there might be some idea now if, if uh, you know, that people can identify maybe where this is or who, who this is. It will probably come to a head and this woman needs to decide whether her marriage is worth saving and it may be and people do get over it or it may be just call it a day. But it's just, it's a sad sad letter and a strange attitude to have um, you know I, I, I mean to to have to find out that your husband is having an affair with someone but she likes the one he's having an affair with so and she doesn't want to lose her friendship yeah very weird 
All right. Let us move on to letter number two then. Dear Phil, I was married for six years to my husband, but uh, we broke up and divorced this year. Our relationship isn't terrible. We just agreed that we weren't good together, so decided to part ways. Our families were surprised but supported us in our decision, except for this one. I decided to keep my married surname and not revert back to my maiden name. Uh, My ex-husband doesn't have an issue with it, but both of our families have weighed in with their opinions. My former in-laws say they are not comfortable with me using their name if I'm no longer part of their family, while my mother in particular is appalled at the idea, saying that if I'm uh, ending the relationship, this is the final way to sever the tie and I should do it. She is questioning if I really want a divorce, if I am so determined to keep my married name. The reason is, I just like it better than my maiden name and I'm used to it now. Am I right to hold on or should I change back? <laughs> this seems, again, it's a, it's a kind of a weird a, a weird um, problem to have. Um, mm. I would have imagined that um, it's, I don't know what the legalities, and I'll say that at the outset, Fran, of, of um, divorced people retaining the married name and that so I don't know what the legal status is I'm sure it's I'm sure there must be some points of law that would say that you should revert or you should mm. keep I'm not sure I've about that I've never heard that there's any anything binding there to no, make you nor, change nor I but yeah. I, I don't know yes. the, yeah. the answer there may be some advice that somebody can, can let us know about that but um She's like she's she's very determined to keep her married name mm. because she likes it better than her maiden name. But I mean, your name is your name. There's there's nothing really much mm. you can do about the name that you're given at birth, either a, a maiden name or a, a, a you know a first name. Um, I always hated my name, but I, me too. I, I, you know, so yeah. I, you just you just you, you just get, get on, on with it. it. Yeah. yeah, I just call it I just call myself well, would the it be just name. practical stuff like I mean she'd have to change credit cards and utilities That's, it, and there's a lot of work involved yeah. in, in any change of status so whether you become single and then get married there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that goes on but it's kind of a normal rite of passage it's a normal thing yes um, I'm not sure about I suppose divorce seems to be getting more common um, for certain relationships break down, uh, it's more of a common thing. So there's probably good advice out there from the legal system the where they could inquire. But this is about personal preference. But she's now succumbing, I think, a little bit to the fact that her parents and his parents are against it, even though he himself does not have a problem with her retaining his name. I think myself, if the marriage was over and there's a divorce, I don't think I'd have an issue with changing back to my maiden name. Right, interesting. It's, it's the okay. name you were born with, and it's the name your family has. So, like you know, you mightn't love it, but it's it's not. You know, I'm sure it's not a bad name. I know she can't tell us her name because then, right, of course, yeah. You but would you recommend that then? That uh, well, I and, think and the it's fact interesting that point about you know uh, a final part in severing the ties, as her own mother pointed out. Is 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 that in itself? Um, Sort of. it's, a, it's the end of a situation and yeah. but the, the final question is what makes me think that she's thinking about it is am I right to hold on to it or should I change it back mm. and I think she should do whatever feels right to her but taking into account the opinions of her her ex-husband's family the fact that they don't really want her to be having their name and 
her herself the fact that she does not like her maiden name but she needs to reconcile herself that she had that maiden name until she got married and perhaps it's just something she could maybe change it, with the with the benefit of maturity she should just maybe decide that her maiden name is just fine all right, to our third and final letter, Phil. Dear Phil, my child is seven and attends our local primary school. We live in a rural area and so the pupil number at the school is fairly small and all the kids know each other. My issue is that one child in the in the class above my own child often has parties at their house, not just for birthday, but summer and Halloween and Christmas parties as well. But not everybody is invited. I dread the day the invites come out because my daughter is the only one in their class who has never been asked. I admit that the kids wouldn't be the best friends, but they do hang around as a wider group, so she still feels the exclusion. What's worse is that we don't live that far away, so we can hear the noise from the party when it's on. It breaks my heart to see her so down about it every time, but I don't know how to handle it. I've tried to have her own party, and we've done that and extended an invitation to this child, but it wasn't reciprocated for the next party. I'm at a loss, but if I politely approach the parent, will it sound desperate and I'm afraid it could become playground fodder and make the situation worse? What should I do? This is common, isn't it? It's common enough, um, mm. and I think the, the mam is putting a very strong level of importance on this other child's party and party activities yeah. and the fact that they're so frequent. Um, what I think the mam needs to do is actually focus on her own child and make sure that the parties that the other child is having and other children are having and invite and other that she makes her child excited to be doing things and not be around listening to a party that's going on elsewhere that this child clearly hasn't been invited to and so is feeling absolutely feeling awful probably because she's thinking oh, there's a party there and I'm, I'm not invited and this is very sad if if it was me I would have a day day set off for for my child and I would be going off on a shopping expedition or uh, doing something really lovely or a picnic into the woods or doing something different going to the cinema I would be doing anything but I would not be letting my child focus on being excluded from something because the child has not been excluded Mammy is taking it that the child is excluded because the child for whatever reason might not particularly gel in that particular group mm. and it would be much better if the mommy focused on having things arranged for her child so that she's not feeling excluded but I think mum is feeling more about this than maybe the child and the notion of approaching the parent in question you, you would say no no, I, no. I wouldn't because it it's seems like it it, it, well, it's, it is, it's just well. like if you if you went up to someone and said, um, "Listen, you, you know your your child is having the parties and that would it be okay if my child came and Ouch. like yeah. like what would what, what would know. you say? It, it, she should be given her own child confidence that she has things to do as well. Now, it could be that they're very much better off and they're able to afford to do all these things and it does sound like it. But um, the important thing is if she does ha have has date days with her children or with what, you know, it's a, it's a mm. normal enough thing to do where you, you give them a day or let's go on a trip to Kilkenny or Waterford or let's go to the beach even if it's winter time and we'll walk along and we'll collect some stuff and we'll go for lunch afterwards or dinner afterwards. Yes. Isn't it a nice thing to have a date just with your child and just say... Let's have it. This is what we're going to do on that day. You know, um, and it would just it would stop this whole it would stop this whole thing about a party exclusion. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and the spotlight was, being on and, that. Yeah. 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 And, and focusing on this. Oh, there's going to be another now. And, and they and they seem to have these parties at least four 
or five times in the year. Mm. So it's not just birthday, it's Halloween, it's, you know, it's Christmas, it's Easter, it's when the holidays are on. Mommy should be just doing things with her child or children that do not have the need to be having parties because what are parties anyway? Expensive most yeah, of the time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, obviously... Funds is not an issue here, but mm. you can have you can have date days with your kids that do not involve spending money. Yeah, of course. You of know, course. and it could be much far more quality. It could be far more quality, and I would get that kid involved with art, or involved with something else that is not dependent on her listening in her house to a party that's going on up the road <laughs> where she's hearing all the music because that is harsh. It is harsh. Is it? Is yeah, it? but yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't say anything to that mum at all, I would start focusing on organising things for the kids to be doing when when these parties are going on and to, to minimise how important or unimportant they are or to completely be flippant about it and say, look, it's only a party, God, we're going to have a much better day. This is what we're doing. All right, Phil, always good to see you. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Keep your goals coming into us, 1800-938-007. TJ was on to us from Featherton and he was very complimentary about the show and he says, Fran, if Sky comes calling, don't go anywhere. <laughs> I think it's a little late, uh, a little late for that, I would imagine, uh, TJ, but thank you so much for that. Um, quite a reaction uh, to uh, Leo Varadkar. Uh, speaking about his errors of judgment. Uh, Fran, I agree that somebody's private life is their own business, but the video released uh, was staged by the government advisers to take emphasis off Radka's control of SIPO, uh, which is more serious. And it goes on to say that Leo was not fit to be Taoiseach and how the government parties can agree to this is beyond me. And a lot of criticism coming in uh, in that manner uh, today as well. Do you know what troubles me... Um, a little bit, because I don't care what Leo Varadkar does in his private life, to be honest with you, so long as he doesn't frighten the horses, it doesn't matter, or anybody else for that matter. But I'm reading on The Independent today about these stricter regulations on the way for social media. And Michal Martin has been speaking about this in the wake of the controversy surrounding the Taunishta, who was covertly recorded in a nightclub. And what troubles me is it's that that is triggering him to do something about regulation on social media. Not all the awfulness that went on, um, where some kids were bullied on it to the point that they decided to take their own lives, young lives destroyed by this thing. They, but but what's triggering him to do something about regulating social media is the controversy around Leo in the nightclub. Oh, Lord. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Grocery inflation is currently at its highest ever level of 14.7%, can you believe? But Irish shoppers are still stocking up on festive treats uh, with over... How, wait, wait till you hear this. Over half a million euros spent on mince pies alone. Just mince pies in the past 12 weeks. Tara joins me now. Good morning to you, Tara. Good morning. And uh, good to talk to you today. You have a novel idea of how you're cutting your Christmas food shopping bill. Will you tell me, Tara, what you're going to do? Um, I'm going half with my best friend. <laughs> we're actually, we're joining together this year, so... Um, all the kids would be together and me and my friend and we're just going to have a little hoolie together ourselves with 
two of us and the eight children. Very good. So is that for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day or what? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, we we found out best, it would work out best for both of us that way. What a brilliant idea. So you'll pool resources for this. Yes. Right. And Adam, we normally we'd be on our own. Yeah. So now this year we won't be. It's a very good idea. And Santa will go to the one house then, is that it? Yes. Yeah. So it's just, it's the best we could do because, you know, it, it killed two birds with one stone. Of course. If, if you get me, you know, so we're able to tie in stuff together and that and all the kids, you know. And how uh, collectively, how many kids will be there then? Eight. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to be a party, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it, at least they'd be all able to play with their games together and, yeah, and, and you, you know. And you both will have some, some company as well, which is great. Yes, definitely. Um mm. And that's the main thing because the last two years were horrific uh, during lockdown. Were they? Yes. Yeah. Because so you were there on on your own with the kids, was that it? Yeah, completely on our own, yeah. Yeah. So, they, so I, I think this is a fantastic idea. And what about Christmas dinner then? You'll 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 collectively cook cook that, I suppose. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Two of us will help with that either we'll pick which one is going to do the the main course. Mm. So if she wants to do the main course, that's fine. I will sort out everything then for dessert. dessert. I can sort out, you know, uh, the jelly, ice cream, you know, anything like that. So uh, just, I think the next week, both of us are going to go off and we're going to do the big, huge shop together. Right. And send it all to her house. Right. So it's all already there waiting. I think it's a fantastic idea. And you're good enough friends that that will work out for you, even though you'll be in close proximity and all of that. That will work fine, Tara. Yeah, yeah. yeah that always has, well, not this, but on, on normal, yeah. you know, yeah. um, anything got to do with the kids, we try to, to pool together. It's just... Very good. And your kids all that. get on well together and all of that. Yeah, they do. The, the kids will range from the age of one to 17. Oh, Lord. Right. So okay. There'd be kind of a nice mix um, between children. Right. But um, what, we, what also I've noticed when I've had to do lately, or since the, the increase in everything, was before normally, you know, if you get paid in the post office, you do your bills, you sort out your gas, sure. ESP, yeah. whatever. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> well, it does, but it's backwards. So when we get paid, well, when I get paid, I now have to go over and do my Aldi shop mm-hmm. or my food shopping. Mm-hmm. And see how much that comes to. Right. Then go back and pay the gas, ESP and whatever out of what's left. Out of what's left. But you have to make sure you can eat first, I suppose. Exactly. That's it. Whereas before it was like, pay everything while I was in the post office, get it all over and done with, and Aldi's would be my last stop and then home. Now it's reversed. And are you seeing, I mean, it's not just Aldi's, it's all the shop, but are you seeing a, a huge increase in costs? Huge. Last week, my shopping alone for me and two children was €125. And that's up from roughly what, Tara? 70, about 75 Wow. 70 yeah. So that's up 50 or €60. Euro. Yeah, and it's the same food, same thing, because my, my children with their autism, their food does not vary. It's right. the same stuff all the time. So Right, so you're making a direct comparison then really, yes. aren't you? Yeah. Yes, definitely, because as I said, it's the same food. They don't eat 
anything else and they don't waver from what they do eat. So, so I, I could have cried at the till and I was like, oh, no worries. <laughs> but like, uh, uh, no bag of cold this week. But even though I got cold, but I was just saying, you know, you, you have to compromise now. You have to do the shop and then come back and see how much can go on gas, ESB and the rest of the, the stuff that needs to be done. Well, so you have to make priorities along the way then. God, oh. Yeah. So it's it's no surprise to you then to hear that grocery inflation is at fourteen point seven. In fact, no. if, if my maths are terrible, but even going by your own experience, it's actually higher than that. Well, for me anyway, it is, and I've noticed that the 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 bonus we got for the ESB and stuff. Yes. It, it's no way lasting of what I normally top up before this crisis. Because uh, before this crisis, 20 euros would last me and the children from Thursday to Thursday without fail. It never went into the red, nothing like that. and never went into own credit. Now I'm putting in about 45 euros a week. Good God. And I don't understand because we're using less lights because we're turning them off. You know, I'm making sure the kids have their devices plugged out, all of that stuff, so they're just running on the battery of the device. And it's still... Like, I topped up my um, thing with the, the extra credit yes. there last Thursday by 100 euros. I have 17.50 left. Well, now, now oh. I know the cost of energy has gone through the roof, but I didn't think it was that much. Like, uh, yeah, that sounds I, really huge, doesn't it? It is, and I only notice is it spikes when I put in the the credit that I get from the government. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, so it's obviously one of these prepay. Yeah, prepay power yes, meter. Yeah. Yes. And did did you have a problem getting that extra funding in the first place, getting it uh, credited to your account? Uh, no, no, not this. No, no thankfully, that's the one thing I didn't have a problem with. Right. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know. I don't know whether it's myself, but I noticed before this bonus came out, my ESP wasn't as much. Mm. When the bonus comes out, then it skyrockets. And then the bonus is taken, it's all gone, because that will be gone now by tomorrow, that's 17 or 20 or sorry, by Thursday. And then I'm back again to having to use my money. And a bonus only lasts, I suppose, the equivalent of three weeks. And that was 200 euros. And when will you get the next amount? There's a couple of... Uh, I have no idea. I think it's January, isn't it? Yeah. So that, that won't be a lot of good to you at that point, I guess, will it? No, yeah. definitely not. Especially with, say, the cold weather. Yeah, I know. The, the snow and everything about to hit us or whatever cold weather is coming because... Even having my heating on all day and my fire lighting, my house is still freezing. My children are still breathing fog in the air. And no matter how much I put on nightgowns or nightdresses or extra blankets on their bed, that still has no effect on the actual air in their room. It's still freezing. God almighty. I mean, you must, are they sniffling and having colds and flus and stuff then as well? Yeah, my, my poor son now has been out a good few days this week and last week. Yeah. Um, and it's it's hard because he's coming up to his junior search. After the new year, he'll have his mocks and everything. But he's missed, I'd say, about two weeks on and off since Halloween. And he's just not well at all. 
Right. And is some of that down to the fact that you find it hard to, to heat the, the home? Yeah, it is because he would have, he, he has asthma. So I know they're saying, oh, put on extra blankets, put on this, that, and the other thing. That has no effect when he's breathing in freezing cold air. He can have as many jumpers as he wants on him. But that's not going to help his chest at all, wearing extra jumpers. It's it's tough out there, Tara, that's for sure. But I think what you're doing with your friend and your friend's family, I think that's a brilliant idea. And we wish you well. I hope you have a happy Christmas, Tara. Great. Thanks. You too, friend. Lovely to talk to you. And thank Take you care. for sharing that thank with you. me. Thank you. And bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Tara there. And uh, Kay was on to say, uh, a pack of Weedabix was four seventy one month ago. It is now six ninety nine. Good God. Deirdre is with me. Deirdre, good morning to you. Good morning. And good to talk to you today. What do you think about Christmas and uh, the spend? Are we overspending and all of that, Deirdre? Do you mind if I just say something? I don't mind if you say something at all, so long as you don't incriminate anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was just listening to Tara. Was it Tara? It was indeed, yes. Okay. But I was just reading on one of the papers that I... Now, I think this is what she said, that she is on the prepay... Meter. Yes, meter. yes. I think I read somewhere that they are dearer mm. than if you were just paying your electricity. I think bit. so too, yes. I think so in, in, in yeah. the scheme of things they are dearer, yeah. So are you saying to me the people are struggling the most probably need these things, but they're yes. actually paying more it's for terrible, electricity? Isn't, it? isn't it just? Yeah. Isn't you know, it just there's terrible. no point in giving them um, yeah. extra if it's not going to, as, as, as she said it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and she has all sorts of other concerns about those prepaid meters that has nothing to do with money, actually, but it's a whole other discussion. But anyway, what about spending for Christmas, dear? How do you, how do you think we're doing? Is it going to be a very expensive year? Um, I think people will mm. overspend. Mm. But I don't think they'll, they'll spend as much as, overspend as much as other years. Do you not think? Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. Um, I think we need a little bit of cheer coming into Christmas. It's nice. I was in town on Saturday and it was beautiful. Mm. Uh, the lights were on. It was a lovely day. What, what town is that, Deirdre? Clonmel. In Clonmel, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it was just lovely. It was lovely to see the businesses doing, um, doing some business. Yeah. Um, but I find that this year I have saved up along. Um, I just have a jar and I just put nothing but one or two euros in, into it. Very good. Me too. That's that's and, my way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it was about 500 euros in it. Very good. How, how did and, you spend that then, Deirdre? Well, I kept some back for next week when I'm shopping because mm. it will be extra. Mm. Uh, I bought some decorations and some gifts. Right. So it took the 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 blunt part out. Right, it's very very wise because Frances O'Hanlon is our finance expert, and she says that's what everybody should be doing if you can at all. Is put away a little bit all of the time during the year, and it helps greatly at Christmas. You know, it does. I usually open it up about November, and then once I open it up and count it, I just start again. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I think people will over. Spend a little bit, but I don't think they will too much. 
Do you not think? The, the credit think cards are the devils, aren't they? I mean, they're the big thing that if you overuse those, you, you, you still yes, have the bill. And, and the interest can, is huge. Yeah. yeah. If you can clear it in January, yeah. it's fine. Yeah. But if you can't, you're sort of yeah. you're stuck with it then, aren't you, for a few that's, months? That's for sure. Do I hear a little one in the background there? Oh, yes. <laughs> is that, the, is that, he's, is that he's your own led, baby? No, no. Yeah, right, okay. He's, his, his legs are over the, the side of the seat <laughs> and the two hands are behind his back and he's watching telly. Oh, and right. every so often then he'll... Here's a shout over to me. How are you? <laughs> well, he sounds very happy anyway, which is which is so Santa is coming, I guess, is he? Ah, uh, yeah, he's too small to know, really. Yeah, yeah. What but what what age is he? He's t- just just two. Just two. Oh, just God. two in a few weeks. Yeah, oh, that's a great. Isn't that a great yeah. age? Great yeah. age altogether. <laughs> so, are, and and just finally, Deirdre, are you a Christmassy person? Do you enjoy? Oh, it? I love Christmas. Do you? Yeah. I drive them all mad here. Do you? Uh, yeah, because once Halloween is over. Well, then I'm in Christmas mode. <laughs> yeah. The tree has to go up and I sneak in a few decorations. Oh, the first nice. or second week in November. <laughs> Do you? As early as that? Just oh, after I Halloween? Would. Yeah. Just a little few. Yeah. Just, you know, a little thing here or there. I think they don't notice, but they do really. I was talking to a lovely lady a few months ago and she was telling me she loves Christmas so much that she leaves the decorations up all year round. She just loves Christmas, isn't it great? Well, I love it, but you know what? The day after St. Stephen's Day, yeah. to me, Christmas is sort of over mm-hmm. and then everything has to come down. You'd, oh, you take everything down at that point, yeah. I would. Right. Uh, yeah, probably Wednesday. Right, I'll take everything down now. What the what is the the in. tradition though? Is to Little Women's Christmas to the sixth of January? Is it is that the tradition? Yes. That, yeah, it drives me bad. I think now to leave it up and What is yeah? So are you yeah. a are you a clean freak, a tidy freak? Yeah, I'm afraid I am. How did I know that? <laughs> Deirdre, lovely to talk to you. My best to the little fellow as well. Thank you. Bye bye, Dove. Bye bye. That's uh, Deirdre speaking to us today. The winner of our afternoon tea for. Two is going to Angela in Dundrum. Well done to you, Angela. That's Angela Pollard in Dundrum winning our uh, afternoon tea for two at the lovely Talbot Hotel. And we are celebrating with them, you see, because um, they have uh, their Christmas gift vouchers available. And uh, whether it's a, a stay in one of the beautiful suites there or afternoon tea or relaxing spa treatment or whatever, you can buy the voucher from the Talbot Hotel and it's a nice gift for the person in your life. All right, so we need to take a break. I'll be right back. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Feathered musician and DJ Roger Metha has released a new single. It's called We Cannot Fail. It's a song for Ukraine. And I'm glad to say that Roger joins me online. Good morning to you, Roger. Good morning to you, Fran. It's a pleasure to be on your show. So thanks very much for uh, having me on. You're extremely welcome. And it's been a long time since we chatted, Roger. Will you yeah. tell, tell me about the song and where the idea came from, Roger? Oh, God. Fran, I tell you what happened when the war started in Ukraine. Um, I suppose for the first kind of couple of months, 
um, because everybody thought that the war would be over in a few weeks, yes. but it dragged on. Now, as a musician fan, I thought that other musicians would start to write about the war. Mm. Um, now, one band did, which is Pink Floyd. They they released Rise Up. Uh, you two went to Ukraine, uh, Bono and The Edge. But as the war went on, Fran, I thought that there'd be more musicians coming out writing about the war. Mm. So... I became quite frustrated. Uh, I became quite bitterly disappointed because, I mean, this war is happening in Europe. Uh, this war has escalated to a nuclear threat, mm. um, and that nuclear threat still hasn't gone um, away. This war is affecting everybody this Christmas with uh, price hikes, with with refugees coming into the country. Um, so I I was thinking about writing a song since about maybe March or April. Now, finally, on the 2nd of September, a song came to me. Uh, it took two months to write this song. This has been the hardest song that I have ever written because when you're writing about war, when you're writing about death, when you're writing about destruction, you kind of have to put yourself in the shoes. <laughs> like, mm. I was having nightmares, I'll be honest. I was having nightmares writing this song. I got depressed for about a week because, like, for me as a writer, when you get into a song, you kind of have to live it. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was getting up at 6.30 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. This is one of the most terrible songs I've ever had to write. But I tell you, Fran, I think I really had to make this song land. Um, I really had to make this song strong. Um, and uh, I really had to get a good chorus. Um, because I want this song to reach out to as many people as possible. Well, um, you know what? I, I think it will, Roger, because it's a fantastic recording. Where Where did you record it? So I have a load of people to thank, yeah. uh, Fran, um, Frank, because, look, I've been doing this on my own. I don't have a record company. Mm. I don't have a PR company. Now, it, it is amazing that um, the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal has come on board. All donations will go to their appeal. Um, Seamus Hayes is a local guitarist, probably one of Ireland's, uh, most unsung guitarist. Yes, I know Seamus is a fantastic player, yeah. Oh, I, my God. I was wondering who the guitar player was because it's marvellous yes. guitar playing on it, yeah. Seamus is just, uh, I tell you what, he's one of Ireland's unsung guitarists. Mm. Um, Areste Perello, uh, an Italian bass player, Brendan Hunter, um, um, he played on drums. It was recorded at Gaff Studios in Care with the amazing Joe Gallagher, mm. who did an incredible song. Now, the thing is, um, Fran, they all give their services free of charge. Oh, well done. So, well done. Yeah, so so everybody that's been involved in this has been giving their services free of charge because everybody's passionate about... I mean, we need to end this war because the fact of the matter is, Fran, like... And I was just looking at the news this morning. Um, 
the European Refugee Council said that we're likely to send another wave of hundreds of thousands of Ukraine refugees yes. into Europe over winter. Yeah. So, you know, we're already struggling with like 60,000 yeah. plus refugees. We've already got a housing crisis here. How are we going to take in more? I know the I know the mood has started to change in this country about taking yeah. in refugees. And Fran, I can understand that, you know. Yeah. But uh, like this song for me was trying to raise social awareness. Um, it was trying to spark a debate about the war. It was trying to raise money for the Irish Red Cross. So, I mean, that, uh, uh, like, I've been working on this song 16 hours a day, um, seven days a week since early September. Right. Um, what well, I'll out. ask you to do is just stay with me. We'll play the song, Roger, and then you might right. tell me how people can pick up the song. Will okay. that be okay? That so would be fantastic. Will, will you just stay with me for a few moments I and we, we'll have a listen to the song? This is okay, Roger's song. Thanks. It's called We Cannot Fail. It's a song for Ukraine.
And that's uh, Roger Metha's song. It's called We Cannot Fail, a song for Ukraine with proceeds going to the Irish Red Cross Ukraine Crisis Appeal. Roger, congrats to you. It's a fantastic sound and it's a real anthem and that's what you were going for, wasn't it? That, Fran, that's exactly what I was going for. I was trying to go for a universal song. I kept the production very, very straightforward. Um, uh, I kept the chorus quite kind of poppy because mm. I want this to be a universal song, Fran, not just in Ireland. I, like, I'm very aware that, that we now live in a global village mm. and I, and I want to push this song out outside Ireland. Uh, I want to make sure that the Ukrainians get this song. Um, but, but look, music has always been there as part of kind of social change. If you look at the civil rights mm. movements in the 1960s, we had We Shall Overcome, we had Bob Dylan yeah. um, blowing in the wind, we had Band-Aid with Do They Know It's Christmas... So songs can create a social change. Yeah, they can be very powerful. And I'm delighted to hear you talk about peace, Roger, because so many people are talking about war, you know? And and really, we we need an end to this. Now, I don't know how they're going to do it, but but that's what we need to be talking about, really, you know? Well, that's it, Fran. Part of the lyric, we're crying out for peace for all humanity. Absolutely, and I'm delighted to hear you making that point because I'm not hearing it near enough, you know? Um, Roger, what about picking this up? so that you get enough proceeds for now, for Red Cross? Fran, if people can go on the YouTube, there is a link. It's, it, um, so if they put in Meta, uh, We Cannot Fail, a song for Ukraine, there's a link underneath that that uh, will take you to Bandcamp or else you can go straight on to Bandcamp. It's only one twenty nine. Okay. the song. Now, you can pay... pay um, pay more all proceeds to the Irish Red Cross but Fran I am asking radio stations please put the song on your playlist because if people don't hear the song people won't be able to Absolutely. go to download well, we, the song we, we'll make sure that it gets played here Roger I'm just about out of time but congratulations to you I think it's absolutely fantastic and oh, when you say go on gentleman. to Metha is M-E-T-H-A isn't it if people are uh, just no yes. it's M-E-H-T-A is it M-E-H-T-A. Okay, and we'll yeah. have we'll have that up on our own site as well. Uh, Roger, the best of luck to you, and I Fran, hope it gets loads of play. Thank you so much for having me on the you're, show. You're welcome, you're a gentleman, and a very happy Christmas to you as well. Thank you. That's it for me. Emma produced. Uh, Ali um, Stephen is on the way. Ali looks after her content. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.